ding. This is your captain speaking, a.k.a. Captain Death, the host of the Lots of Pasta podcast. I have a quick announcement to fucking make before we get into this episode here. I know this is random. I know this is out of nowhere, but so is my energy sometimes. And over this last weekend, I decided to make a Patreon account. I don't know why. I finally got over five and a half years of stubbornness and decided that, hey, maybe the podcast can be self-sustainable from this point forward and it would make making content a hell of a lot easier. Uh, I also made a coffee account for people who don't feel like signing up for a monthly subscription um, where you hand money to us repeatedly and maybe you just want to throw money at us one time, whatever. I don't care. I'll accept anything at this point. Consider me a prostitute. For your ear holes. Uh, There are five tiers of subscription services that you can sign up for on our Patreon. And they all have fun posture-related names with fun little things that you get for each tier. The first tier, starting at $3, is just a basic support tier where you make sure that our content continues coming out. And it continues coming out the way it always has, which is ad and sponsor-free. And then the tiers do kind of increase with vocal shout-outs, actual credits on the YouTube videos, as well as being able to decide some of the stories that we get to read if you're on Patreon, and um, maybe even being vetted to come on an episode and talk with uh, me or talk with us, depending on who you want to talk to, um, or maybe even read a story with us. And, you know, there are some uh, things to read through over there if you want to check out Patreon and possibly become a subscriber for the Lots of Pasta podcast. And for this week's thank you or spank you, I have three very special people to fucking thank. And I'm going to go in order of subscribers because I think that's fair. Kitty, a.k.a. Taurus Filth, a member of our fucking crew, was the first person to subscribe to us. And that's fucking loyalty, people. She's drunk the Kool-Aid which was actually Flavor Aid, by the way. And uh, she's come back to life as a zombie, and she's still on the fucking boat, you know? Uh, secondly, I have Evan Gravino, who is uh, a little bit crazier than you might uh, at first suspect. I think you'd be surprised. Um, but uh, I've known him for a very fucking long time. And he's always supported my endeavors and always supported me. And we've always had a fun time getting fucked up together. So thank you for that. And lastly, a big fucking thank you to our newest subscriber, Trevor the Warefishy, who I think like probably holds the record for the fastest anyone has ever listened to the entirety of this show because he caught me on reddit i want to say like last year and said love the show been listening it's great i listen at work when i'm taking a shit and i was like yo that's cool and um i wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) and um he 
just signed up for the Patreon at our highest fucking level and said, oh, by the way, I caught up. <laughs> so here's your fucking shout out and uh, useless award. If you want to be a Lots of Pasta podcast Patreon subscriber, then you can find the link in our description of our videos or podcasts posted anywhere, whether it's iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, you name it, the link will be there. Um, or search us at Lots of Pasta on Coffee or Patreon. Thank you for listening. And now, on to the episode. We have such sights to show you. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Fuck you too! So, uh, today on, on today's episode, today's episode is very, uh, it's very special. Um, I think today's episode is, uh, is a hallmark for us because it genuinely is the first episode where we just entirely read something that someone who's been on this show has written. And as long as you're okay with that, then we're going to then we're going to read it. Are you okay with me saying that you wrote this? Oh, you're asking me this. I'm asking you. Yes. Cool. Yeah, you can say that I So wrote this it. story is by our by our faithful servant Mark Rooster. Um this this story was written by him. When did you write this? Let's see here. It was uh, May 29 to July 8th of 2010. 2010. I had just graduated high school when he wrote this. That's that's pretty fun. So uh, we're not going to we're not going to talk about why or how this came to be until after we read it. Yes. Um. But Mark Rooster wrote this story. I need everyone to understand that. Mark, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. It's, thank you so much for coming back and bringing us this piece. I read something I wrote on this show a long time ago. It's on, like, episode, I want to say, 16. I read a, a story that I wrote, and it had pretty good feedback. So uh, if this if this is fun, then you're going to hear about it from me at some point because people are going to tell me whether or not this was fun. You can tell me if they tell you it isn't fun. I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I ever tell you that we read uh, three hours of like what was essentially Harry Potter erotica on this podcast before? I think you did, yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that does sound familiar. So, you know... There's your line. There's nothing erotic in this. No, I'm just saying that there's your line of, like, what we've stooped to. Right. Of how <laughs> awful, of, of what this show is capable of, I suppose, is, is how I want to say that. Well, hopefully the screenplay is better than erotic Harry Potter. Erotic Harry Potter fan fiction, right. I don't know. So, um, so, let's talk title real quick. Um, title, title of this show of this episode um, and the title of the story is Lindsay Lohan and the Beast 
from hell. That's right. And, um... <laughs> man, there's so many questions. There's so many questions that come to my mind when I read that, and... I'm not I'm going to try to remember them for the end, but I might not. So I just want you to know that the title is doing things to me. 2010, keep in mind. Oh I'm no, saying. I'm fucking there. I'm just I remember what year I graduated. I'm just some, saying. You may have forgot who Lindsay Lohan was, you know. I mean, I some people may not know. Yeah. That's true. That's fair. But get a clue. Yeah. That was a movie she was in. <laughs> get a clue. It's a Disney Channel original. Oh. Mark Rooster. Oh, I didn't see that. It was I a saw good one. all the other ones. That's okay. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> uh, Lindsay Lohan and the Beast from Hell by Mark Rooster. Uh, you want to read that disclaimer? Yeah, the disclaimer. Lindsay Lohan and the Beast from Hell is a work of fiction. None of the events described herein have actually taken place, as far as I know. Mark Rooster. What what if this were true? Can I ask before we start reading it? Yeah, if, it's, if it turned out to be true, if it, it turned would be out to be true, really lucky guess on my part. <laughs> I suppose that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, okay. Uh, as as we agreed beforehand, I'm pretty much reading everything. Right. But you are specifically reading, which I, I love this. You are specifically reading for Lindsay Lohan. Including when she's four or five years old? Including when she okay. was four or five years old. I can't make my voice sound like I don't. Though. I don't want you to. Okay. I want you to read <laughs> for Lindsay Lohan while we do this. That's, right. that's, that's yeah. all I'm asking. So if you're capable of doing In that. In any particular voice. Yeah. Just any voice. Just any voice. Just okay. literally just talk. Okay. Because <laughs> your voice alone for Lindsay Lohan will bring great effect to this storytelling. As long as people can keep remembering who it's supposed to be. I'm letting everyone know right now that I am reading for every character Except for Lindsay Lohan. Right. The story is called Lindsay Lohan and the Beast from Hell, and I'm letting you know yes. right now that Mark Rooster, whenever you hear Mark Rooster's voice from this point forward, <laughs> he is Lindsay Lohan. Okay? So let's so let's start this some bitch. Exterior nondescript office building night. A cool fall evening. The sun has just gone down. A side door opens and a mother and daughter step out of the building and begin walking across the parking lot. The girl is very young, about four or five. Well, did you have a fun? Well, did you have fun anyway, honey? No. No? Why not? It took too long and they were mean. Who was mean? She stops and gets down to her daughter's level and looks her in the eyes. Who was mean, honey? Was someone mean to you in there at the audition? They all were. I hate it in there. I don't want to go back. The woman starts walking again, taking her daughter by the hand. 
Well, we're certainly not coming back here. I can guarantee you that. Good. <laughs> Those people don't know the first damn thing about casting, auditions, or just about any other damn thing. The girl stops walking. Her mother looks back, first irritated. Her expression changes when she sees the sad look on the girl's face. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Look, if those people, those nicer people, don't call back about the Wendy's audition, then we'll forget it. Sound good? The girl shrugs. She seems undecided. Or maybe it's just a bad day. You want to be an actress, right? The girl nods. A famous actress? She nods again. Come on, let's go check out that carnival and then we'll head back home. The girl smiles, takes her mother's hand, and they set off across the parking lot once more. Across from the lot is a set of train tracks, and beyond that is visible a local carnival. As they walk, the girl looks up at the rides, a carousel, a ferris wheel, bright lights, and the darkening sky. So, um, immediately, right off the bat, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked with the harrowing tale of a young Lindsay Lohan. Good. Exterior carnival entrance way night, the two of them walk through the carnival entrance, and written on the gates are the words, THE MIDNIGHT CARNIVAL! It's a relatively small operation, but it's very crowded. People everywhere. Bright lights, lots of noise. The girl looks enthralled as they walk past ticket booths, a man on stilts, a few game booths, and other carnival attractions. Exterior pretzel stand night. The woman pays the vendor and hands her daughter a soft pretzel. The girl takes a bite out of it, but her eyes are drawn to a fun house nearby. How is it? Good. She points to the funhouse. You want to see that? The girl nods her head. Okay, we can do that. Come on, let's go check it out. The girl takes her mother's hand and they walk over exterior funhouse night. The funhouse is one of the largest exhibits at the carnival. The funhouse announcer, a man dressed in a gaudy, creepy clown costume, welcomes them. Well, well, look who we got. Step on up, come on up, and check it on out. Less you're too scared, of course. He smiles, a large, unsettling grin. The girl laughs. Well, hell, this one ain't too scared. Come on in, honey, and your mother, too. Can't have the little ones tempting themselves here, devils them. <laughs> Can't have the little ones tempting these here devils themselves. The woman hands him a couple bucks, gives him a dirty look as though she'd actually let her daughter go in alone, and they both step inside. Interior funhouse night. The girl clutches her mother's hand as they walk through the dimly lit opening corridor of the funhouse. The walls are all different angles, providing an uneasy effect as the two walk through. They turn a corner, a creepy, Circus music plays. A robotic clown pops out of the curtain, and its mechanical jaw drops open. Welcome, welcome. 
We have crazy and exciting things to show you. The woman grips her daughter's hand. You okay? The girl nods her head, and they continue walking. They pass a mechanical display f featuring a figure being decapitated by a guillotine. It's very fake looking, but the little girl regards it seriously. Exterior Funhouse Night. A strange man, Martin Alvey, wears a buttoned-up trench coat standing outside, and he gazes up at the Funhouse. We can just barely see that the skin of his neck is, at least partially, dark green in color. He flicks a cigarette onto the ground. Out of the crowd, a little person approaches. This is Leo. Alvy regards him coolly. Have you found him yet? No, no, we haven't, sir, and I apologize. Your apology is worth shit, but never mind. I have... I have a good feeling that he is in the fun house. The fun house, sir? Yes, I believe that's where he's gotten to. Have you sent someone in to retrieve him? No. But, sir, why not? Because, Leo, I don't believe he needs retrieving. He is young, no doubt, but he knows what he's doing. He'll be along in a few moments. I'm quite confident of that. Leo looks up cautiously at the funhouse. Interior funhouse, mirror room, night. The little girl wanders through a maze of mirrors, a room made up of distorted surfaces and images, one making her look small and squat, the next making her big and tall. The mirror room leads into a forced perspective hallway. The circular walls appear to spin as the girl steps onto the walkway and immediately drops to her knees. She crawls across the walkway, confused, beginning to get scared. Mom? Interior wax room night. The girl's mother walks quickly through the wax room, which contains life-size replicas of famous individuals. Honey, where are you? Interior freak room night. The girl stumbles out of the forced perspective walkway and into a small room featuring cages and aquariums housing a variety of freakish creatures. A bird with human feet sits, on a sits in a suspended cage. An animal that looks like a cross between a dog and a boar sits idly in a hay-covered cage. An iguana with large, unnatural feet sits in another cage. It's hard to tell if the creatures are real or not. The Freak Master, a middle-aged man with a large mustache and unkempt beard and a cane, steps out from behind a curtain. He is dressed sort of like a magician. Baha! Welcome to the freak room! These poor unwitting creatures have been... Dear, are you here by yourself? Haven't you got someone with you? My mom. Now, now, speak up. I can't hear you if you don't speak up. He raises his cane and speaks loudly. I shall not tolerate unattended children in the freak room. The freak room is meant for adults and accompanied minors only. As he rants and raves, the girl notices part of the curtain behind him pick up. Two sets of eyes peer out from the ground level. She strains for a closer look. I've always said, I say I've always maintained that the carnival is a perfect place for children, provided those children are watched after. The carnival, his voice drowns out. 
The girl watches the small creature under the curtain. Its skin is a greenish-brown color, but it is impossible to see much of it. The eyes are an odd yellow color. The girl raises a hand, points towards the creature. It responds by disappearing under the curtain. What? What is it? What are you pointing at? The girl just stares silently up at him, and at that moment her mother comes charging into the room. There you are! She takes her daughter in her hands, picks her up. The freak master gives her a dirty look. She makes eye contact with him for a moment, then walks out of the room, back through the forced perspective hallway. Just close your eyes, honey. It's easier to get through that way. The freak master watches the space the two occupied a moment ago. He turns and looks down at the space where the girl had been staring. Children should not go unaccompanied into the freak room. Exterior Funhouse, night. Alvy and Leo watch the woman and her daughter exit the funhouse, the woman still holding the girl in her arms. They pass them, heading toward the carnival entrance slash exit. That kid seemed scared. Woman did too. No shit, Leo. Leo grunts and walks away. Years later, on the other side of the country... <laughs> Exterior, Universal Studios backlot day. The sun shines brightly. A car pulls up to the security gate. Interior, Universal backlot rehearsal space day. A medium-sized room. A stage takes up most of a third of the space. And on the stage, a band plays. Lindsay Lohan stands at the front of the stage, singing into a cordless microphone. A loud chorus. And you know what sucks? The copy I have printed in front of me is actually a slightly revised version. It's and really? the version you have has the lyrics to this song that I cut out because I think I was too embarrassed by them. But we're going to read my they version. They are. It's all cool and just as well. See you later. Burn in hell. Born of the devil and a werewolf spell. I don't think I need you. Burn in hell. I loved it. I loved it. I'm yeah, glad my copy I'm, doesn't have that. I'm glad my copy <laughs> held on to that. The band goes into the next verse. Interior side stage, day. Lindsay's manager, Jerry Geller, stands off to the side. A small group of people are scattered about. Various employees going about their business. Jerry nods his head, seems to be enjoying the music. A nervous man, early 20s, approaches Jerry hesitantly. This is Walter Berman. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Mr., uh... Are you Jerry Geller? I'm sorry, yes. Yes, I am. Uh, great to meet you, sir. Walter Berman, Coast to Coast Charities. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, Walter, great. Yeah, glad to meet you. Is this, uh, is she on then? Yeah, that's her. Oh, she sounds great. They watch Lindsay and her band. Lindsay wears dark makeup, heavy eyeshadow, and is dressed in ripped black clothing. Her band is also decked out in dark colors. The backdrop of the stage is red and black and features a large devil's head, complete with horns. Is this, uh, the, uh, is it, uh, yeah. Is it, uh, it's just, well, I, uh, should talk to her first anyway i know i gotta talk to her is it okay if uh if can i talk to her when yeah yeah of course wally of course yeah yeah she ought to be done in in a minute i gotta be out of here in a few anyway 
Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, I... Jerry waves his hand at him and Walter shuts up. But after a moment, he starts up again. Oh, what should I call her? Just like Lindsay or is it like Lilo or... You do not call her Lilo. For Christ's sake. You think anyone calls... Actually calls her that outside of... You know, just... Can you just take a step back, please? Please? I'm sorry. Just a, just a step, please. Walter does as requested. Interior rehearsal space, day. The band puts their equipment away, or at least off to the side. A few nondescript men and women are scattered about, moving equipment, putting things away. Lindsay searches through her purse, pulls out a scrap of paper, looks at it, shakes her head, puts it back in their purse, and keeps looking. Walter shows up aside of her. Oh, excuse me, uh, Miss Lohan. Hi. She goes back to searching through her purse. Walter stands there, fidgeting awkwardly, looking around at people walking around, working, packing up equipment. Lindsay doesn't find what she's looking for. Gives up. Can I... is there something... Oh, yeah, God, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, Walter Berman, Coast to Coast Charities. Oh, okay, great, great. Nice to meet you. Did you catch the rehearsal? Well, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, the end, really. Uh... It was rough, I know, but I'm doing a completely different show for tomorrow night anyway, so... Oh, you are? Yeah, totally. This is an... up. Uh, it's another project. Okay, oh god, wow, you, uh, actually have no idea how relieved that makes me. She gives him a weird look. He backtracks immediately. I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, like, what, what you've got going here, that's, uh, that's just great. It's just, it's not, it isn't quite... It's not what we were thinking at Coast. She puts her hand on his shoulder and smiles. Walter? Yeah? Relax. It'll be great. I'm really looking forward to it. I love kids. But this is a benefit for the elderly. Kids and the elderly. They're my favorites. She pats him twice on the back and picks up her purse and walks away. Not rude, just in a hurry. He watches her go. He's a little uneasy, but somewhat reassured. Exterior, universal lot, day. Lindsay steps out of her, out of the building. Her car is waiting for her. Al, the attendant, steps out. Thanks, Al. He nods to her. She slides into the front seat. At that moment, a crowd of paparazzi show up seemingly from nowhere at all, swarming the car, picture-snapping, voices garbled unintelligible. Lindsay shuts the car door, waves goodbye to Al. She pulls away. A few paparazzi chase after her car. Shortly after she leaves, three cars start up and follow behind her. Exterior Worldwide Artists Office Building Day A medium-sized office building in Los Angeles. The sun shines brightly. A woman passes by in front of the building, walking a small dog. Lindsay's car pulls up to the curb. The three paparazzi cars pull up behind her. She gets out of her car, paparazzi come close, and she smiles and lets them take a few shots before heading up the steps into the building. She pauses, turns back, makes a cute face, and curtsies as a few more pictures are snapped, then goes inside. Interior Worldwide Artists, Danny Green's Office, Day. Lindsay sits across from her agent, Danny Green, at his desk. Danny is young, confident, but less brash than her manager. I guess I just don't get it. You will, though, Danny. I think. It's going to be great. I've been going through a lot of different ideas, some last-minute stuff, yeah, but all along, really, with Howard Grieber and those guys, and I think when you see it after it's ready, you'll change your mind. It's not too late to scrap it. Come on, Danny. I thought you'd be at least a little more behind me on this. Well, uh, well I don't know why. 
It's ridiculous. Lindsay Lohan's horror show, seriously. You know what they're gonna say, Lilo horror show, horror shows in the papers. Don't call me that. You know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I do. I do, Danny. I just, I really want this. If you could just see it in your head the way I see it, it's gonna be so great. Okay, well, I guess that's about it. You need anything from me before you leave? Leave? Before you go to New Jersey. New Jersey? I'm not going to New Jersey. Why would I be going to New Jersey? Last I checked, that's where your little benefit thing is. Huh? That's tomorrow night. Right. I assume you're leaving tonight or early tomorrow. Oh, God. What? Brian did not tell me this thing was in New Jersey. Oh, God. You know? God damn it. Did he tell me in... No, I'm sure he didn't. I'd remember something like that. Oh, Jesus. I wouldn't have agreed to it if I'd known it was in New Jersey. Danny shrugs. Lindsay gets up. Well, I better go. Gotta pack, I guess. She smiles at him and waves. He salutes her. She laughs, walks out the door. Exterior, Lindsay's house day. Shortly after, Lindsay is in the house. Wakefield, New Jersey? Interior, Lindsay's house kitchen day. Lindsay is standing in the kitchen, both hands gripping a piece of paper. The table next to her is littered with papers and envelopes. I don't believe this. She puts one palm to her forehead, squeezes her eyes shut. She opens them and stares back at the paper. The front door opens. She looks up, startled. Brian? Hey, babe. Her boyfriend, Brian... Barnacki. Barnacki walks in holding a suitcase. Is this a real person? No. Oh, okay. I didn't... I don't... Hey. <laughs> What's up, babe? You almost ready? What? No, no, I'm not almost ready. Because I had no idea I was flying to the other side of the country. I guess, apparently, tonight. Oh. Are you sure I didn't tell you? No, you didn't. I just found out. Or, well, Danny told me, but then I looked through... The enormous stack of papers on your kitchen table? Yes. So? He reaches for her, hugs her. She reluctantly allows him. He kisses her on the forehead. I just didn't know, and I didn't know it was in Wakefield. You know the place? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Come on, I gotta pack. I haven't even started. I'll tell you about it on the flight. Brian watches her go, somewhat confused. Let me know if you need my help with anything, Linz. I won't. I'll just be a minute. Exterior, Los Angeles Highway. Day. Brian's car travels down the highway. He and Lindsay converse inside. Is Danny going? God, I didn't even think to... Danny will be there later. I talked to him. He's coming up separately, though. I still don't see why we have to go separate from the band and crew. Cause wait till you see the plane, Linz. You're gonna love it. My dad just bought it. I'm telling you. This thing is sweet as hell. That's some consolation, Brian, for the most half-assed, poorly planned shit. Calm down, baby. Don't I seem calm to you? The car takes the exit, heading toward the airport. Exterior airport runway day. Danny's plane waits for them, the pilot standing beside it. Lindsay and Danny walk toward the plane. Wow. You like it? It's a private jet painted red and black. Very mean looking. Is it safe? Safe? Of course it's safe. Why wouldn't it be? I'm sorry, these little planes just make me nervous. She looks apprehensively up at the plane, then starts up the steps, Brian taking her hand. She disappears inside the plane. Interior plane day. Lindsay sits next to Brian. The plane is surprisingly spacious inside. Lindsay watches a TV news show on a compact screen. A gossip newscaster takes up most of the frame, but she's moved over a few inches by a screenshot of Lindsay. 
Lohan takes to the road in just two weeks for an upcoming tour featuring music, dancing, and, well, the project's been fairly under wraps, so it's hard to say. But the tour, entitled Lindsay Lohan's Horror Show, Lindsay changes the channel, but gets only static. She shuts the TV off. You guys, set back there. Yep. Yeah, we're good. Feels weird not having Eddie or Theo here. Hey, you're the one who said you wanted to have those guys around less. I know, I just... And besides, Danny will be there in the morning. I know you'll pretty much, you're pretty much lost without him. <laughs> Hopefully, a little lost without me, too. <laughs> Sometimes. She, she pulls him towards her, kisses him hard, and almost topples both of them. Hey, hey! No, I don't miss you. I never miss you. She laughs and kisses him again. He writes himself. Feeling adequately appreciated yet? Sure, sure. Shit, put on your seatbelt. We're moving. The plane is indeed moving. Brian looks at her somewhat strangely and fastens his belt. Exterior plane sky, night. The plane travels through the sky. <laughs> Interior plane, night. Lindsay rests her head on Brian's shoulder. She plays with her fingers, placing one on top of the other, and then that one on top of the next one, repeating. Is it the town that's been bothering you? This Wakefield place? Huh? You've just been kind of on edge since the charity came up. It's all right, Bri. Our wires just got crossed a little. I didn't expect to be going halfway across the country tonight, that's all. Really? That's it? Yeah, well... There's something so strange and unusual about you taking me to this specific particular town. Wait. Wait, you make it sound like... No, I didn't mean it like that. The charity's a great idea, whatever it is. Honestly, I don't even know. That Jerry fucker must be working overtime, huh? Hey, that one's on you, since you didn't include him in this. Really, I mean, when you think about it... She turns her whole body to face him, gives him a playful, accusing look. This whole thing is on you, so if I make it sound like it's your deal, that's because it's your deal. You're pretty persuasive. And I'm not even trying. But there is something about Wakefield, and it is very strange. Strange to me, at least, to be going back there suddenly, like, totally surprised. When were you there before? I've never even heard of the place. Is it a big deal? No, definitely not. I can't... I don't know exactly. I was there before, I'm sure about that. When I heard the name of the place, it came back to me. It just seems so familiar. I know I was there, but that's all I remember. Well, just take it easy. Try and have fun. That's what this is all about, right? I thought it was for kids or old people or something. Well, yeah, it is. Something like that. So many charities to keep up with. Who even remembers? That's me, the most giving human who ever lived. She slaps him playfully. Shut up. He kisses her, and she puts her arms around him. Begin montage. Exterior New Jersey airport day. A plane comes to a landing on the airship. Exterior New Jersey highway day. Brian's rented car moves down the highway. Interior Brian's rental car day. Lindsay and Brian talk. She laughs. Exterior carnival entrance road day. The end of the day is approaching. The sun beginning to go down. Brian's rental car pulls up to the carnival entrance. Lindsay lifts up her sunglasses to take a look at the place. She immediately recoils. You all right? This is the place? Yeah, this is it. He puts the car in park and gets out. 
Lindsay continues staring up at the carnival gates. She looks confused. You coming? Yeah. She gets out of the car. Interior carnival entranceway, day. Brian walks through the gates, Lindsay trailing behind. Leo and Otto, 20 years older than we last saw them, are milling about the entrance. I forgot how I do the voices. Brian. (laughs) Hey there, Leo. Hi, Brian. Otto. He shakes their hands and gestures to Lindsay, who isn't paying attention. This is... Lint. Oh, hey, sorry, got kind of lost for a minute. That's all right, babe. I want you to meet these guys. This is Leo and Otto. Leo, Otto, Lindsay. Leo bows, very theatrically. Very pleased indeed. Otto nods to her. Lindsay motions Brian aside. He looks embarrassed, but indulges her. Brian, is this a joke? Are we just stopping off here for something? What do you mean? No, this is the place. A carnival. What kind of charity is this? I don't want to sound ungrateful, Bri, but a a freaking county fair, really? It's not a... It's not a county fair. It's a year-round carnival. This part of the state is famous for it. Really? Yeah, they get a ton of people, trust me. Year-round? Like in winter? Yeah, hey, I don't know. It's just, it goes on a while. It doesn't even look half set up. Yeah, they just reopened it. Come on, Linz, please work with me on this. Brian, I have been, but this, this whole thing is pretty weird. If you were me, you'd think it was weird too. It's cause you're weird. I'm serious. He leans in closer to her, tries turning up the charm as much as he can with gritted teeth. Babe, we'll be out here tomorrow night and It might even be fun. Give me just a minute. I gotta go talk to some people, get some things set up, and I'll be right back. Lindsay glances apprehensively at Leo and Otto. She bites her lip, rolls her eyes, sighs. Okay. Brian kisses her forehead and walks away. Exterior carnival main office night. About halfway into the carnival grounds is the main office. Brian hurries to the door, tries the handle. Doesn't move. He knocks. The door opens and Martin Alvey stands in the way. He looks Brian over. Come on, let me in. Interior main office night. Alvey stands aside and lets Brian in. Closes the door after him. No, hello. Fuck yourself, Alvey. Where's my dad? He's fine. Waiting. He's patient. You got the girl. What do you mean? Of course I do. That's what this is all about, right? Alvey snorts again. He lights a cigar. He motions to a filing cabinet against the wall. Whatever you're looking for, it's in there. What? How do you know what I'm looking for? I don't. But whatever it is, if it's in here, it's in there. Brian regards him skeptically and goes to the filing cabinet. Exterior carnival entranceway night. Lindsay sits on one end of a rusty bench. Leo and Otto sit at the other end, talking. Is Otto someone I've met before? I don't remember. I don't either. I know Leo's my, like, short little servantly guy, so maybe Otto was the, uh... No, I think Otto... The clown or the magician? Yeah, yeah probably. The clown? Could have okay. been. I'll find okay. out, too, as, as we... Well, let's learn together. <laughs> Leo. You're sick, man. You're really sick. What's sick? Every damn buddy I know looks at porn. Yeah, no shit. That's not what I meant. Of course everybody looks at porn. 
It's what you're looking at, you goddamn slob. Hey, who are you talking to here? Who am I talking to? Lindsay gets up and walks away from the bench. Leo's and Ott's conversation fades into the background. Lindsay takes out her phone and dials Danny. She waits a moment. Danny's away message comes up. Hey, it's Danny. My phone's off. Leave me a message. Word. She grins at his message, leaves her own. Hey, Danny. Give me a call when you get this. It's weird here. This place is just really weird. I'll tell you about it when you get here. Actually, I'm sure you'll get the vibe as soon as you walk through the gates. You know what's in a freaking carnival? Well, anyway, call me when you get this. She hangs up and looks around before resigning herself to going back to the bench. But you think with those sites that have the ex-girlfriends, you think those are real ex-girlfriends? Well, they're somebody's girlfriends. But you think that's really like, what do, what do you say? Candid? Or you think the ex-girlfriends are in on it? Jesus, Otto, how do I know? Probably, probably they're in on it, or maybe they're not, and it's revenge because they did something real shitty. Like what? Otto, are you fucking with me? I don't know. I don't know. I, I was just saying. I guess if it was a girl just hurt some guy's feelings, that wouldn't be a good enough excuse. Leo puts his head in his hand and rolls his eyes. But if she say he hurt some small animals or something, then well then, I think it'd be okay for someone to put on the ex-girlfriend's site. Because that's sick. That's messed up. You're sick. What the hell are you even talking about? You're both sick. What's the matter with you talking about this crap in front of a lady? They're taken aback at first, not having seen Brian come up behind them. Lindsay's surprised as well, but happy to see him. He puts his arm around her. Leonardo sneered at them, but not so Brian can see. Oh, we weren't bothering her, Brian. Oh, where were, where were we, Miss Lohan? He seems genuinely concerned. Lindsay smiles back at him, but Brian gives him a cold stare. You're all right, Otto. Don't worry about me. Oh, and guys, they're all actors on those sites. Otto and Leo exchange a glance. The friendly look disappears from Lindsay's face and she stands up. Brian goes to her. What's the matter? Nothing. I just want to get out of this place. It's creepy, you know? Sorry. It's all right. Come on, let's get back to the hotel. She takes his hand and they walk toward the gate. Exterior hotel night. A medium-sized hotel at the town's main street. Interior hotel room night. Lindsay sits at a table with her feet propped on the bed. She has a book in her lap, but isn't really reading it. Brian takes some clothes out of his suitcase, hangs up a couple shirts in the closet. How much did you bring? We're not going to be here that long. I just want plenty of options. And hey, you didn't exactly pack light. I'm a girl. Hey, you want a drink? Sure. Let's see what they got here. He opens the mini-fridge, which is fully stocked. Whoa, where to start? Lindsay's phone rings. She checks it, and Danny's name shows up. I'm gonna take this. Who is it? Danny. He's finally calling me back. He looks confused, somewhat concerned. She takes note of this. He straightens his expression, realizing she caught the strange look. You called him? Yeah, earlier. Is it alright with you if I take it? She hits the accept button on her phone and walks past him toward the door. Hey, Dan, what's up? She walks out the door. Brian watches the door close behind her. Interior, ho interior hotel hallway night. Lindsay stands down the hall, away from the door, talks to Danny on the phone. 
Danny calls from his cell phone already on his way in a plane, left when he got her message and when he looked into the charity org, and it seemed odd. That was a notation for myself, I think. Sorry, I don't know what I version like, I said. I feel you. like it, it, it informs <laughs> it us on, anyway. It informs us on what he's doing at this All time. All right, good. Uh, something's up with him. He's acting very unusual. What's he doing? Nothing in particular, just, I don't know, in general. Hey, what do you mean in that message you left about me coming out there? Well, aren't you? No, I never was. Jeez, Linz, get your head on straight, huh? I know. Hey, relax, I was only kidding. Brian said you were coming. I was acting nervous, and he said you'd be here. God, Linz, I'm touched. No, don't you think that's kind of strange? Why would Brian tell me you're coming if you're not? Hey, I don't know. Maybe he's as scatterbrained as you are. But seriously, if you're concerned, keep an extra eye on him. You know what I mean? Watch him at all times. I feel so weird being this suspicious of my own stupid boyfriend. Hey, you said it, not me. Anyway, I'll come out tomorrow, but there in the morning, soon as I can. And maybe even catch a middle-of-the-night flight. What? No, Danny, you can't do that. You must have a million things going on. Don't worry about it. I don't mind. At all. Interior hotel room night. Brian stands at the door. It's cracked slightly, his, his hand on the handle. He listens to Lindsay's conversation. Well, hey, that's really awesome. You're the best. Seriously. <laughs> You're crazy. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Later. He shuts the door, pulling it shut as gently as he can, and steps back from it. The door opens and Lindsay walks in. Brian has gone back to the mini-fridge. What do you want? Huh? To drink. Oh, I don't know. Give me a vodka and Sprite. They have that in there? Uh, vodka, yes. Sprite, no. A vodka and water, then. I'm only gonna have one. Coming up. Lindsay walks over to the bathroom. She steps in, leaves the door open. Bathroom, main room. Lindsay examines her eye in the mirror. You alright? Yeah, this contact's just bugging me. Brian looks over his shoulder, makes sure she isn't watching him. Oh yeah? That sucks. He pours the vodka into a glass. Lindsay stops looking at her eye and watches him in the bathroom mirror. She sees him finish pouring the vodka into her ice-filled glass, then adding some water from a bottle. He then glances over his shoulder, and she looks away. When she looks back, he has taken something from his pocket. We can see, but she can't quite, that it's a vial. He unscrews the vial, glances over his shoulder again. She just barely avoids his gaze. He goes back to her drink, empties the vial into it. This she sees clearly. Lindsay runs the bathroom sink clenches her fingers, tries to relax herself, and she takes a breath, then walks back out to Brian. He hands her the drink. She takes it and puts it up to her lips. She mimes taking a sip, but her mouth is not open. Thanks. It's a spot. That's a corny thing to say. I know. She turns her back to him. He watches her intently, doesn't touch his own drink. She paces a bit, searches for something to say. Your friends are, uh, nice? No, they're not. They're weird, I know. She turns to face him, taps her index finger on her glass. She turns back away as he continues talking. 
I've been coming here for years, though. It's funny. You mentioned being here when you were a kid. I was probably around here when you were here. Working is what, a ten-year-old? I came from a carnival family. I was always around it. He smiles at her. It's a very creepy smile. I didn't know that. Yeah. She walks past him. I'm gonna take a shower. But you haven't finished your drink. I'll drink it in the shower. Do it all the time. Okay. She goes into the bathroom, shuts the door behind her. Interior bathroom night, Lindsay is in the shower. Her untouched drink sits on top of the sink. She hears the door handle rattling. She peers out of the shower. Brian? Oh, sorry. That's me. I'm Lindsay. You are Lindsay. Brian? (laughs) Why did you lock it? I don't know. Force of habit, I guess. She looks worried. Interior hotel room night. Brian stands outside the door. Force of habit. Be out in a minute. He walks away from the bathroom door. Interior bathroom night. Lindsay reaches for her drink, takes it off the sink counter, and empties it in the shower, being careful not to let the ice slip out. Interior hotel room night. Lindsay steps out of the bathroom, a towel wrapped around her. Brian is lying on the bed. She walks over to him. That felt great. You look great. Come here. I can't. She yawns, makes a big show of it. I'm so exhausted all of a sudden. Oh, yeah? You guess you'd better get some sleep then. Uh, I might go down to the lobby and, and read for a bit. Lindsay opens her suitcase and takes out a, pr- a pink nightgown. Wow, Mr. Barnacki, backing off that easily? <sighs> Normally you'd put up more of a fight than that. She walks back down. She walks back to the bathroom, taking the nightgown with her. He stares at her, a bit confused. Oh, no, baby, I was just... I'm kidding. She walks back out, now wearing the nightgown, and lies down on the bed, yawns again, stretches. He gives her a hug and kisses her once. See you in the morning. She nods. He steps away from the bed, exits the room. She sits up in bed and watches the door. She leans back, lays her head on the pillow, and sighs. What the hell's going on? (laughs) She stares up at the ceiling. Sometime later... Brian walks into the room. He doesn't make any effort to be quiet. Lindsay lies on the bed, pretending to be asleep. He picks her up. She lies limply limply in his arms. He walks with her to the door and exits the room. Exterior hotel parking lot, night. A side door of the hotel opens and Brian comes out, carrying Lindsay. He walks with her to his car, glancing over his shoulder, making sure no one is around. He reaches the car, unlocks it, and opens the passenger door. He thinks it over, closes the passenger door, and opens the back door. He maneuvers Lindsay into the back seat, closes the door, careful not to shut her leg in it, and walks around to the driver's side. He gets in the car, starts it up, backs out of the parking space. Exterior road, night. The rental car moves down a mostly empty road surrounded by some foliage, trees here and there. Interior rental car, night. Brian grips the steering wheel. He looks back at Lindsay. She lies motionless in the back seat. Shit, babe. You gotta be out a while. He turns his attention back to the road. Exterior carnival parking lot night. The rental car pulls up outside the carnival gates in the nearby parking lot. Interior rental car night. Brian turns the car off. In the back seat, Lindsay bites her lip and springs to action. She jumps up, pulls a pocket knife out from under her nightgown. Brian sees her in the rear view, but is stunned and doesn't react quickly enough. Lindsay whips the blade out of the knife, uses her left hand to go around his seat, 
and pulls his head back against the seat, uses her right hand to position the blade directly under his chin, the metal touching his neck. Jesus, shit, Linz! Thought I was asleep, didn't you? Yes! Lindsay blows a few stray strands of hair out of her eyes and purrs. It was one of my best performances. Listen, what are Shut up. Now, tell me what the hell's going on and don't bullshit me. Okay, okay, I will. Just take the knife away. Not tell you. The door to her left is yanked open and two hands reach in and grab her. Lindsay screams and pulls away from the ski mask wearing man attacking her. Brian shoves his door open. Grab her! The masked man does his best, but Lindsay kicks at him and successfully holds him off, but drops the pocket knife. Come on, get her! The masked man looks at him annoyed, then he goes back to fighting with Lindsay. He finally gets a hold of her ankles and pulls. Exterior carnival parking lot, car, night. Lindsay is yanked out of the car. She lands hard on the ground. She's winded, but she starts to get up. The masked man punches her as she raises her head. She drops completely to the ground, unconscious. Interior carnival, big tent, night. The tent is used as a general storage and meeting area. At one end sits a small stage, the back of which is littered with props, tools, and various items. A number of carnival crew members, including the freak master and funhouse announcer, stand around the stage. Martin Alvey is at center stage. He claps his hands twice to get the attention of the crowd. All attention turns to the stage. There's been some talk, some discussion here and there. I've heard it about the success of Brian Barnacki's extended trip to the land of sunshine. He nods to Brian in the crowd when he says his name and Brian nods back. I am happy to report or perhaps confirm what you may have heard that Brian has successfully brought to us Miss Lindsay Lohan, the object of our master's desire. The crowd claps and there are a few cheers. Yes, yes, it's very exciting. For now, Miss Lindsay Lohan is resting. She did take a rather ugly blow to the head. Brian glares at the masked man who is still wearing his ski mask. The masked man acknowledges the look, but it is hard to read him. She's currently staying in the funhouse, well, in her locked room overlooked by... Freakmaster? What the hell are you doing here? The just-noticed Freakmaster looks around confused. Who's watching Lohan? <laughs> Sorry, boss. <laughs> Freakmaster takes off, exiting the tent. God almighty, and dip me in shit. That's the kind of mess that'll get us all in big trouble with the beast. How many of you want that now? A low grumbling murmur goes through the crowd. Hey, I, <laughs> I, now, back to work. Whatever it was you were doing before I called this meeting. Tonight's the ceremony. Tomorrow's opening night. He glances back around, his mood still bummed from the incident with Freakmaster. Have a good night, everyone. He walks off stage. Exterior Funhouse Night. The Freak Master stomps over to the entrance of the Funhouse. Interior Funhouse Freak Room Night. Lindsay is standing in the middle of the room, her hands above her head, tied to a chain hooked to the ceiling tape over her mouth. 
Leo and Otto stand in front of her, watching her. She shouts something at them, but it's too garbled to be understood. Damn, she, but she's pretty. Of course she's pretty. She's a movie star. They're all pretty dumb shit. Otto turns on him, clenches his fist. I'm warning you, Leo, not to talk. Hey, the freak master storms into the room. How you two get here before me? Otto shrugs. Never mind that. How is she? Looks fine to me. Me too. Great. Now get out of here. Actually, no. Stay. I'll be right back. Where are you going? The freak master sneers at him. He looks at Lindsay, then back to Otto. Going to the bathroom. Eh, what's that? The freak master gives him his meanest look, holds it for a moment, then stops off. Take that tape off her mouth. Ain't supposed to. How do you know? She ain't gonna scream, I can tell. Otto thinks it's over, then does as asked. Lindsay lets out a brief cry as the tape is ripped from her mouth. Thank you. You want to undo the chain, too? Sorry, dear. Can't help you there. You gotta stay close by for our master, the Beast. Yeah, I heard something about that. You will meet him soon, my dear. You will meet the Beast from hell. Take it easy, Brando. Brando? Leo spits, then addresses Lindsay. He didn't even know who Marlon Brando was before I told him last week. I'm warning you, midget man. Don't let him fool you. He doesn't know a damn thing about acting. And you do? Leo turns to Otto, and Lindsay is out of the conversation. Acting is my calling, you dumb, ugly dope. What do you think this is? He indicates his, he indicates his stylish outfit. I don't know what to call it, and I don't care. You don't know shit about acting, or, or anything else. Eat shit, both of you. God damn it. Leo and Otto turn and regard her curiously. Personally, I don't see what in hell he likes about her so much. She's pretty. I have to admit, I do find her voice quite pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. Lindsay lets out a deep breath. <sighs> How'd I get involved in this shit? Why does this beast guy want me? Oh, you don't know? Brian didn't tell you? No, he didn't. And I hope you're about to, you weird troll or whatever the fuck you are. Hey, now that hurts my feelings. Lindsay flinches from his approach. He seems to get a kick out of this. I'm sorry, that was rude. Don't worry about it. I got pretty thick skin. He reaches her, puts a hand on her calf. She kicks it off. Leo's expression turns mean, threatening. Be nice, Angel, dear, or I'll fuck you up good and just tell the master you did it yourself. Yeah, right. Whoever this master or beast or whoever he is, he can't be dumb enough to believe that. Maybe not, but do you want to risk it? He grins up at her, yellow pointy teeth poking out of his gums. She looks away from him, up at the ceiling. A tear forms in her eye and rolls down her cheek. Exterior Carnival, entrance, night. Walter Berman, the charity rep who spoke with Lindsay in L.A., gets out of his car, talking on his cell phone, agitated. Look, I, I haven't talked to anyone, haven't talked to anyone, okay? I just got here. My phone wouldn't work on the plane, and I just, you know, I just got here, okay? I just got here. He almost walks into Brian, who is standing in the shadows by the gate. Jeez, whoa, oh, it's you. I'll call you back, okay? He hangs up and straightens his shirt. You startled me. Yeah, I know. 
So what? What's going on? I'm not up to speed myself. Just got here a minute ago. Had to get some things off site. Going to talk to Lindsay, wherever they've got her. I'm sure she's pretty freaked out by now. Yeah, probably. That's nice of you to care. It's the kind of guy I am. Come on. Walter twitching and looking all around as they walk through the gates is just as nervous and wound up as he was in L.A. Interior Funhouse Freak Room Night. Lindsay is still standing tied to the ceiling. Leo and Otto are in their previous positions engaged in conversation. Blonde. Red. Blonde. Guys, really, can you stop it, please? You look much more beautiful blonde, but please, I mean no offense. Thanks, Otto. That's really nice of you to say. And believe me, I'm flattered that both of you have seen every movie I've been in. But honestly, it doesn't mean much to me if you're going to leave me hanging here from the ceiling, you know? Otto and Leo exchange a look. They've both broken down a bit since we last saw them. Otto shrugs. Leo raises a finger, about to say something, but is interrupted when Brian storms into the room, followed by Walter. Brian! She seems relieved at first, but that quickly goes away. What the hell's going on in here? Who tied her up like this? Hmm, freak master. Who, who? Who did you say? Freak master. Of course. Why'd I even ask? We're in the fucking freak chamber, right? Freak room. What? Freak room. Oh, piss all over it, assholes. Sorry about this, Lens. A chainer, would ya? I'd ask one of these guys to do it, but I doubt either of them could handle the responsibility. Fuck's sake. Walter frees Lindsay's wrists, and she lets her arms down and nearly falls to the floor. Brian rushes over and catches her. You okay? Go to hell. She passes out. Exterior carnival entranceway night. Leo and Otto walk out of the gates, their paces fast, they do not talk. Otto walks with his arms stiff at his sides. Exterior Carnival Pathway Night There's a road that leads up to the carnival that leads out to the town's main streets. There's also a dirt road that goes up past the carnival into a densely wooded area. Leo and Otto take this path. They walk along the path until they reach the woods. Exterior Carnival Outskirts Woods Night The path continues but is less defined into the forest. Leo and Otto walk with purpose, abruptly stopping about 50 feet in on a small hill. Leo bends down, dusts the ground with his hand. He finds what he's looking for, a rope handle, attached to something larger in the ground. Motions Otto, who reaches down, and pulls up from the rope handle. A secret door opens from the ground. Otto pulls it wide open, revealing a set of steps. Leo climbs into the hole in the ground and goes down the steps. Otto follows behind him. Interior Underground Tunnel Night they are underground in the hill above the carnival. Leo turns on a flashlight and lights their way as they walk through the tunnel with a very high ceiling. They don't walk long before they reach the underground chamber. Interior underground chamber night. A large hollowed out space under the hill. Wooden planks line the walls and the floor. It's makeshift but seems relatively stable. Two masked guards stand dressed all in black by the stage. The stage is surrounded by a red curtain. Leo and Otto approach the stage. One of the guards steps forward, a large axe in his hand, as though to stop them. Leo gives him an incredulous look, and the guard backs off. They approach the stage and kneel before it. Leo groans as he gets down 
before the stage. Master, are you there? Sounds of movement behind the curtain, then a deep, loud voice, the voice of the beast from hell. Yes, I am here. Very good. I'm happy to report. Otto nudges him in the side. Leo glares at him. We are happy to report that the girl, Lohan. Yes, yes, master, we have her. Where? She's here at the carnival. Bring her here. Yes, yes, of course, master. He appears to be growing nervous, sweat forming on his forehead. Otto looks over at him, somewhat confused. When? Tonight. Uh, we will all gather here tonight, and Brian will bring her here to you. Brian. Right. Leo squints his eyes, stares straight ahead. Brian. Your son. Exterior Carnival Funhouse Night. We move into the funhouse through the main opening. Interior funhouse night through the first hallway. Interior torture chamber night through the torture chamber, which is not quite set up yet. Half figures, models, etc. on display. Interior mirror room night through the distorted mirror room here. Instead of continuing through the warped perspective walkway, we turn right. Interior bedroom night here. Strangely enough is a fairly normal looking bedroom. Not much decoration, a small desk, a poster from the carnival's first year of existence, 1983, a dresser, a chair, a bed. Lindsay sits on the bed by the headboard. Brian sits on the other end of the bed. She looks like she can't do enough to get further away from him. You pissed at me then? She cocks her head, glares at him. I guess I would be too. Sorry. By the way, for how those two idiots handled you. One thing to keep in mind about people like Leo and Otto and Freakmaster, these guys don't go out in the normal world much, you know? They're good. They are. They're good people. But they just aren't like regular people like you and me. You think you're regular? Well, maybe not completely. I don't mind, though. And you, you're not quite regular people either. Sure. I mean it. How could you be? After all, if the if the master has chosen you, he'd he'd never choose a regular girl, you know. Actually, Brian, you may be surprised to hear this, but I have almost no idea what you or any of your weird friends are doing. You're really fucked up, though. You know that. There's something in your head. I don't know what, but you're really, really fucked up, and I'm an absolute idiot for not seeing it before. She moves back to the headboard. Brian smiles, then slowly gets to his feet, coming around the side of the bed. She inches away from him. Right. Wrong. What's right to you? What may not seem so to me? What the hell are you talking about? Here. Let me show you. He starts unbuttoning his shirt. You said there's something not right in my head. Maybe to you. Only it's not in my head. It's... In my blood. Brian rips his shirt open. His skin instantly turns dark green, moving across his torso, covering most of his chest but not spreading any further. Lindsay recoils on the bed, gathers herself, and jumps to her feet. 
Two clawed green hands form in Brian's stomach and shoot out over the bed toward Lindsay. She tries to dodge them, but each one grabs one of her arms. Brian pulls and the green hands yank her onto the bed, dragging her towards him on her stomach. She tries to break free, but cannot. The hands release their grip on her. Take it easy, Linz. What do you think? Can you take it easy now? Let's talk, huh? She rips free of his grip, slides off the bed, and runs out of the room. He laughs as she goes. Exterior funhouse night. Silence. Calm. Lindsay bursts out of the entrance to the funhouse. She runs as fast as she could, looking back over her shoulder, and slams into Martin Alvey. She falls at his feet and reaches down to grab her. Exterior carnival entrance path night. Alvey drags Lindsay, tape over her mouth, wrists and ankles bound with rope. He drags over the grass to the edge of the forest, over the hill. Exterior carnival outskirts, woods, night. He reaches the woods, picks up Lindsay, tosses her over his shoulder with little difficulty. She shouts muffled curses at him and tries to get free of the rope, but it is no use. He takes her to the secret door leading to the underground chamber. Interior underground tunnel. The tunnel is crowded with members of the carnival. They are backed up by the, the door to the chamber, about 30 people in all, a couple clowns, an enormous woman who barely fits in the tunnel, a couple of masked guards holding axes, and many others. Interior underground chamber night. Lindsay sits on a wooden chair in the center of the room. Brian sits in another similar chair across from her. Lindsay's ankles and wrists are still bound, but her mouth is no longer taped. She looks sullen, resigned in a way. What are you thinking about? She glares at him, looks away. I mean it. What are you thinking about? My mom. Your mom? Yeah, remember her? She thought you seemed nice. Sure, I remember her. I wish she was here. So do I. Kind of. After all, she's the one who brought you here originally. Huh? I think you know that, though. Brief flashback. The young girl from the park, from the beginning, a young Lindsay Lohan, standing in the parking lot looking out at the carnival, holding her mother's hand, and a flashback. And then you caught the eye of our master. It's strange. What? I'll be the first to admit my father isn't... He isn't, uh, don't get me wrong, he's our leader. He's the one we summoned directly from the depths of hell. But in some ways he isn't quite what we expected. Meaning what? He isn't that quick, I guess you might say. What is he, an idiot? Some kind of moron from hell? Do not speak of the master that way. You have no idea what an honor it is for him to choose you. As I was saying, despite the possibility of mental deficiency... I don't believe this shit. He's shown evidence of extreme abilities in other areas. The night your mother brought was brought here, the master saw you, caught your eye. Brief flashback. Lindsay in the freak room, the barely seen creature under the curtain on the other side of the room, their eyes meeting. End flashback. And this was on the night of his birth. He grew so quickly. 
I really can't wait to meet this retard monster from hell. Brian jumps up from his seat, waving his hands in the air, eyes wide, shouting, God damn you! Do not! Do not! Do not, do not, do not! Jesus, calm down. It is my father you speak of, and soon you will meet him, and you better live up to this. He grabs something from a nearby shelf on the wall. He shoves it in her face, a copy of Mean Girls on DVD. What? He saw this, this film, a few years ago, and instantly remembered you. No, that's ridiculous. Your bastard monster couldn't have wrecked Wonderful powers, my father has. Oh, fuck me. Brian steps away from her, eyes to the ceiling, arms out at his sides. He begins to spin around the room. Leo, Otto, gather everyone. It is time. Tell my father, it is time. Lindsay's eyes go from the stage to the ceiling. She looks like she might pass out. Her vision becomes blurry and the room begins to spin. He, we begin a montage of scenes. During the montage, Lindsay's song, Burn in Hell, plays on the soundtrack. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Lindsay looks into Brian's eyes back in her bedroom at home. They kiss. Brian's face changes into Danny's and they are no longer kissing. Lindsay and Danny sit in his office talking. Suddenly, she's a little girl again in the freak room, locking eyes with the creature behind the curtain. She's rehearsing with her band at the rehearsal space in L.A. Brian watches from off to the side of the stage. Danny watches from further off. In her bedroom, Lindsay's mother kisses her on the forehead as she pulls up the covers to go to sleep. Danny's face, laughing. Brian's face, grinning. Leo staring into her eyes, very creepy. The exterior of the carnival. Finally, back to Lindsay, in the underground chamber, bound, stuck in the chair. The room has filled up with all of the circus members having filtered in from the tunnel. The lights dim and the room is now mostly lit by candles on either side of the stage. Martin Alvey steps onto the stage and takes a spot in the center from where he addresses the crowd. Welcome all, worshippers of the great beast, friends of the midnight carnival. We are gathered on this joyous, horrifying occasion for one purpose, to reunite our master with his heart's true desire. What comes next, none can say but he himself. He gestures towards the curtain, which slowly begins to raise. Alvi walks off stage as the curtain rises and the beast from hell is revealed. It stands about 15 feet tall, its head nearly reaching the ceiling. It is wide and its skin green and brown in color. Its head is sunken on its shoulders, and two large red eyes glare out of the sunken sockets. Its claws reach to the floor. It has a slimy appearance. Bring her to me. She's, uh, right here, master. The beast sees Lindsay tied to the chair guarded by Leo, Otto, and Brian. Walter stands behind them. Lindsay catches the monster's look and screams. Brian immediately reaches to cover her mouth. Bring her to me! Lindsay stops screaming as Otto and Brian pick her up her chair. Stop it, Brian, damn it! Put her down! 
Otto and Brian exchange a confused look, but do as told. Let her come to me. Brian arches his eyebrow. The beast snorts, growls. Brian gets down on his knees and starts untying Lindsay. Otto joins him. Lindsay's arms and legs are freed. The beast stares at her. Lindsay, come to me. Lindsay gets up from the chair. She takes a hesitant step forward. All eyes in the room are focused on her. Taking her time, she walks up towards the stage. Nice to meet you. I have loved you ever since I first saw you. Here, many years ago. Lindsay's look of horror changes to confusion. Uh, I was only three. What? Did you say? Oh, uh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that so loudly. Look, do you think I could just... She turns and runs. It takes a moment for the onlookers to realize what's happening. By the time they do, she's almost at the entrance to the tunnel. And no one is blocking her way. <laughs> That's fucking great. Lindsay! She's almost at the exit when Brian tackles her to the ground. She lets out a cry and is suddenly surrounded. She tries to break away from Brian's grip, but he pins her to the ground. God damn it. Stay still. Lindsay, please. Oh, fuck off, Brian. Get off me. Please. This is really embarrassing. Eat shit, Brian. She punches him hard in the nose. He reels back and she almost gets away, but he manages to pin her again. You need help? You need help, Bree? Brian glare glaring at Otto. I got it. Really, Linz, you have no idea what an honor this is. She struggles some more before finally stopping. Brian pulls her to her feet. Lindsay! I've got her, Dad. Brian drags Lindsay with him across the floor to the stage. He holds her out in front of him, gripping her arms tightly, forcing her to face the beast. The beast leans in toward her and looks into her eyes for a long time. She hates me. She stares back at it, petrified. Snot drips from the beast's nose. No, Dad, no. It's true. She hates me. It is silent in the room. The crowd watches the scene unfold. The beast is quiet for some time, then lets out a horrendous, awful cry that is part anger part despair. The beast sucks in a deep breath and lets out another howl, this one even louder. The force of the cry sends Brian stumbling backward, freeing Lindsay. She trips, nearly falls, but remains on her feet. Brian grabs her ankles. She kicks free of him. I told you to. She pulls her leg back and kicks him up in the face as hard as she can. Fuck off. <laughs> Brian is out. Lindsay runs across the floor, heading for the exit. Leo jumps in front of her, waving his arms. She kicks him aside with no difficulty. The beast howls from its place on the stage, heading back, aimed at the ceiling. The boards in the ceiling and walls shake and rattle. A masked guard holding an axe gets in Lindsay's way, and he points the axe at her threateningly. 
She hesitates a moment, then spins around, her leg coming up in a mean roundhouse, which catches the guard in the face, sending him to the floor. She jumps over the guard, pushes a clown and a bearded lady out of her way, making it to the exit. The beast jumps off the stage. It lands on the floor, nearly stomping Brian. The boards beneath it, beneath its feet crack. The sides of the underground chamber are beginning to look unstable. Interesting. Because we're more than halfway, I'm going to take a little... Schmucky poke. This is uh, this is pretty good. I'm I'm very interested. You've read it before, haven't you? I have not. This is my first time. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I say <laughs> I saved I saved my reaction for the show. <laughs> wow, I ha I did not know that you didn't read it before. The only other piece of yours that I haven't read is the servants. I've read everything else you've sent me, except for this. I shared. I I, I held on to this one. <laughs> Would you care for a smoky poke? Oh, sure. Thank you. Very much. Lindsay trips on her way out of the tunnel, but catches herself before hitting the ground. She takes off again, but is hit from behind. Otto leers over her, and she scrambles to her feet, but he grabs her and throws her to the ground. You stupid girl. You really upset me. He stomps towards her. She crawls to her feet. He's almost on her when... The wall to his right erupts. Otto goes flying, smacking into the opposite wall. Lindsay, watch, Lindsay watches as the beast's arm comes through the wall. Dirt and wood fly everywhere. The beast howls as it punches another hole through the wall. The carnival goers scramble into the tunnel. The clown who previously stood in Lindsay's way is hit by the beast's fist, killed instantly. <laughs> oh, well, damn. Interior underground chamber night. The beast has demolished a large portion of the wall. The other wall is shaking. In fact, the entire room has become very unstable. Otto pushes his way to the exit, shoving people out of the way. Leo runs about underfoot, frantically trying to get away. Brian lies on the floor, unconscious. The beast stomps around the chamber in a haphazard manner. It punches a fist into the ceiling, cracking the boards, bringing down a rain of dirt and wood. Interior underground tunnel night. Lindsay runs. She is near the exit. Behind her is a mass of bodies, some alive, some dead, amidst dirt, broken boards, and dust. Shouts and screams mix with the sound of the beasts howling. Lindsay reaches the steps leading out of the tunnel. She looks back once more at the mess behind her. Then she pulls herself up. Exterior carnival outskirts, woods, day. Some time has passed. The sun is just beginning to come up. The secret door in the ground is thrown open and Lindsay emerges. She pulls herself out and takes off running, leaving the door open. She runs a ways down the path, then stops and turns back. She jumps. Someone is behind her. Who? It's Danny. He has his hands out defensively. Lindsay, easy. It's just me. Danny. She hugs him tightly. Are you... He is cut off by a horrible, loud crashing noise. Lindsay turns and they both watch as the ground above the underground chamber explodes in on in one section. 
dirt and boards flying up into the air, the beast's fists sticking up out of the ground. Within seconds, its other fist comes shooting up, forming another hole. The ground caves in around the two holes, and the beast begins to emerge, crawling up out of the ground on the hill. Interior underground chamber day. People screaming, ducking for cover, running, falling over each other as the ceiling and walls burst. The beast's foot crushes a clown as it crawls up the wall as the beast exits the chaos. Leo runs out into the tunnel, climbing over a couple of dead bodies. The action is obscured by a cloud of dust and dirt, debris flying through the air. Exterior, carnival outskirts, woods, day. Danny grips Lindsay tightly. What the hell is this? The beast emerges completely from the ground chamber. It's the beast from hell. You said the thing. Whoa. Shit. Let's go. She breaks it from his grasp, takes his hand, and heads off down the path. Danny can't stop looking over his shoulder as they go. The beast shakes its head, howls, looking up at the sky. I don't think it saw us. They make it to the carnival entrance. Exterior carnival entrance day. Danny leads the way to the car, which is parked right up by the front gate. Behind them, a few of the crowd have managed to make it out of the underground chamber and are tearing across the path and into the woods in different directions. The beast stomps down the path. One arm reaches out and grabs a tree, rips it from the ground and tosses it. Sounds of screams mixed in with the beast's foot stomps and roaring. Danny unlocks his car with his keychain, and they open the doors and get in. Interior Danny's car, carnival entrance, day. Danny turns on the ignition and peels out of his spot in reverse. He turns the car around and they take off. Exterior carnival entrance, night. Danny's car drives away as the beast stomps through the woods, people running and screaming. Exterior Shady Acres Motel, day. The next morning, a low-budget motel with just a few cars in the parking lot. Interior Shady Acres Motel Day. Lindsay paces the room, her suitcases on the bed open. Danny sits on the edge of the bed, watching the TV. A newscaster stands in front of the carnival gates, speaking to the camera. Just what the hell happened in Wakefield, New Jersey, early this morning? This is the question that's burning off tips of tongues in this quiet community. Jesus, this guy's strange. Danny, what are we going to do? The newscaster's voice fades into the background. We should just wait and see what they find. Is there any reason anyone should believe you were anywhere near this? Sure, anyone who wasn't killed last night. Those freaks? No way. Look, you're Lindsay Lohan. What the hell reason would you have for being out of this shitty-ass carnival in New Jersey, you know? I still think we should... Danny, I don't know. I wish mom was here. I doubt your mom would make this situation easier to handle. Lindsay gives him the dirtiest look he's ever seen. Sorry, I... Come on, you're right. Let's get to the airport and back to L.A. We don't belong here. Well said. Let's go. Danny gets up, grabs his own bag, and looks for the remote. A few local residents have reported seeing uh, a giant snotty green and brown monster near the carnival grounds, but that, um, well, that can't be right, <laughs> right? Danny turns the TV off. Exterior sky, airplane day. An airplane flies east to west. 
Interior airplane day. Lindsay looks out the window, her chin resting on her hand. She is tired, but unable to sleep. Begin montage. Exterior Los Angeles newsstand day. A woman walks by a newsstand, a tabloid magazine headline reading, Lohan involved in bizarre cult ritual. Exterior Lindsay's house, front gate day. A limousine pulls up in through the gates. Lindsay sits in the back, wearing sunglasses. Paparazzi snap photos of her, getting as close as they're allowed. The gates close behind the car. The, camera, the cameras continue snapping. Interior talk show set day. A talk show audience watches Lindsay on stage talking with a bubbly talk show host. Tell me, Lindsay, and I'm sure you've gotten this question a hundred times in the last month. Did you really see a gigantic monster from hell? Lindsay laughs somewhat nervously, but mostly pulling it off. You know, honestly, I don't know how that rumor got started. I do want to say, though, that whatever happened in New Jersey, and whatever it was, I wasn't involved. It's a tragedy, and we have to remember, people lost their lives. Whatever it is that happened out there. Interior, deli, day. The deli attendant weighs up a purchase for a customer who watches the television behind the attendant on another screen. On the screen, another talk show host talks with Lindsay. So there's no truth to that rumor. Sure, sure. I helped bring an enormous creature back from hell, and it, uh, how'd it go? You're right. You're right. It really does sound silly when you put it that way. Seriously, though, the police have given their report, and I... Her voice fades out. End montage. Interior, Lindsay's house bedroom day. Lindsay sits on the edge of her bed. Danny is next to her, putting on his socks, then his shoes. Seriously, though. Seriously, though. That's all I've said the last few weeks. What else can you say, though? I don't know, but I feel like a real piece of shit, Dan. I really do. Going on TV, lying, telling the whole country, the whole world that some of that shit ever happened. Or that none of that shit ever happened. Hey, you know what? Like I said before, the first time someone, someone in authority comes up with some evidence, worry about what to say then, right? That'll never happen because the whole thing's completely crazy. Not crazy enough to not be true. And those people are still dead. Those people? You mean the psychotic carnival freaks who tried to... You know, I'm still not completely clear what they had planned for you, but I'm sure it was disgusting. Hey, why don't you just do what I've been doing? What's that? Pretend none of it did happen and hope to convince myself someday? Exactly. You're not really being that helpful. I know, and I'm sorry too, but I gotta go. Have fun. Biggs kisses her. Big celebrity dinner, always fun. He grabs his bag and jacket, walks out of the room, blowing her a kiss on the way out. She pretends to catch it, but when he leaves, she tosses it away, puts her face in her hands. Exterior office building day, the building which houses Jerry Geller's office. Lindsay sits in a comfortable plush chair, legs crossed. Lindsay to Jerry, who sits across from her on a couch. Look. Normally, I'd say uh, bad publicity is still publicity, right? But in your case, well, it isn't always. But this this isn't really uh, bad publicity, is it? It's weird, but not necessarily bad. And actually, all these spooky, crazy rumors, they kind of work thematically with the theme of your whole tour. So you think I should go ahead with it? The advertisers are ready. The whole thing's nearly set up. Let's do it. Let's really knock it out of the park, Linz. He grins, a crazy, satisfied grin. 
Exterior outdoor amphitheater. Night. The sun is just going down. The parking lot fills up. People walk towards the amphitheater entrance. It's a medium-sized venue, an outdoor concert area that seats about 200. Thousand. Two. Oh. Two thousand. Yes. I read hundred. Right. It's two thousand. Let's be clear. <laughs> two thousand is definitely more than two hundred. Yes. Interior amphitheater, dressing room, night. Lindsay sits in a chair while Lila puts the finishing touches on her makeup. People mill about in the background. I don't know why you're so nervous, honey. You're gonna kill him. You can tell I'm nervous. Shit, babe. You kidding? Got it red all over your face. Great. Just take it easy. You'll be fine. Uh, Lila stands back, admires her work, and nods her head. You're all set. At least far as I'm concerned, I think Gary's got your wings. Lindsay stands up, gives Lila a hug. Thanks, Lila. I think I'll be all right. Of course you will. Lindsay walks out into the hallway. Interior, amphitheater, backstage, hallway, day. Lindsay nearly collides with Danny. Whoa, sorry. Oh, hey. She hugs him, steps back, lets out a long breath. You ready? I guess so. I feel so damn nervous, though. Hey, it was your decision to go on with it. I know, I know. Is there a lot of press out there? Do you want there to be? I don't know. He grins and punches her affectionately on the shoulder. Have you seen Gary? He's got my wings. Exit amphitheater stage, night. The outdoor lights dim. The red curtains covering the stage lift to reveal an elaborate design. A medieval display featuring two castle turrets on either side of the stage. A high-rise featuring a guillotine hovering in front of a drum set. A stone wall with skeletons hanging from chains, among other decorations. Two figures enter from the opposite sides of the skeleton. <laughs> from the stage, one dressed as a jester, the other as a skeleton. Ah, there you are, I've been looking all over for you, says the jester. I don't know you, says the skeleton. Oh, I think you do. The jester raises his hands and fire bursts forth from both palms. The audience oohs and ahs at the trick, and the jester tosses two balls of fire onto the stage floor. The skeleton jumps back. What kind of trick is this? <laughs> No trick. I command the gates and flames of hell. The skeleton laughs. It is long, drawn out, obnoxious laugh. Damn you. What is it with this laughter? You don't control the fires of hell. And who does? Two loud explosions occur at both ends of the stage. Sparks shoot out and the audience responds appropriately. The jester jumps and waves his hands about. The skeleton does a crazy dance. Then they both run off backstage. The stage becomes dark and covered in fog. The sounds of guitars start up and a drum beat kicks in to the opening of Burn in Hell. The fog begins to dissipate and Lindsay appears up in the air. She is brought down slowly attached to a barely visible wire. She wears a hot red outfit and white angel wings. She brings a cordless mic up to her mouth and begins singing the song as she lands on stage. Exit amphitheater, parking exterior amphitheater, parking lot, night. A very large truck pulls up. It's got a high carriage, about 30 feet long. A security guard approaches the truck. The driver leans out. It's Leo. Security guard. Hey, what are you doing? 
I'm bringing this stuff in for the show. What do you think I'm doing? We don't got any more trucks coming in. Show's already going on. Hey, just a minute. Leo turns away. The guard strains his neck to see what he's doing. Leo turns back to the guard and whips his arm around. He's holding a small crossbow. Hey. Leo pulls the trigger and the arrow flies into the guard's forehead. He falls down to the curb. Dead. Bum, bum. Interior truck. Night. Leo hands the crossbow to Brian, who sits in the passenger seat. The gas and brake pedals have been fitted with pedals to adapt to Leo's small size. Brian looks pissed. His face is heavily scarred. His nose is misshapen. Beneath his skin, something faintly green moves across his face, cheek to cheek. Leo. Sorry. Let's go take this show down. Brian nods. Leo takes the truck further into the garage. Exterior, amphitheater, stage, night. Lindsay and the band are on the second chorus of Burn in Hell. She dances along with five dancers. Exterior, back row, night. Danny stands toward the back, watching the show, nodding his head, smile on his face. Interior, parking lot, night. The truck is parked. Leo hops out of the driver's side, lands on the ground, hurries back to the truck. Otto meets him there, and Leo hands him a key. Otto uses the key to unlock the back doors. It's time, master. Exterior, stage, night. Burn in Hell ends. The audience applauds and call out. Lindsay acknowledges them with a brief nod. Thank you. Continues the next song, Crazy Cat. The drummer starts the beat and is slowly followed by the bass. Lindsay moves across the stage and is met halfway by the skeleton. The guitar kicks in. Lindsay puts the mic to her mouth but eyes the skeleton. She looks around a little confused. The skeleton stands still, cocks his head at her. Lindsay starts singing. The dancers get into their dance a moment later, confused by the presence of the skeleton. Exterior, back row, night. Danny looks concerned. He addresses the woman next to him. What's going on? I don't know. Danny starts to head up to the rows, toward the front. Exterior, stage, night. Lindsay sings but can't keep her eyes off of the skeleton who stares blankly back at her. She stumbles over a word, and the bass player glances over at her, concerned. The skeleton jumps at her. He grabs her and pulls her. She lets out a cry and is dragged off toward the back of the stage. The audience is stunned, unsure how to respond. The guitar player watches Lindsay go, gives the bass player a look. The bass player takes off his guitar and sets it down. The dancers look at each other, confused. Exterior, middle row area, night. Danny is now running towards the stage. Lindsay! Interior, backstage, hallway, night. Lindsay falls down the a few steps leading into the hallway. The skeleton is upon her immediately. She punches him in the face. He pauses for a moment, but quickly regains control of her. A security guard sees them from down the hallway. I'm going to use the same voice. Hey. The skeleton is distracted by the guard and Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay lands a punch to his face. His mask comes off in the process and he is revealed to be the freak master. You. She punches him again and he falls off of her. At that moment, the bass player and guitar player appear at the stairs. The security guard makes it there as Lindsay is getting to her feet. Who was that? Freakmaster. Huh? A loud rumbling is heard from the direction of the parking lot. Everyone's heads turn in that direction. Oh, shit. What is it? Run. She takes off down the hallway to the left. She stops, sees none of them have followed her. Come on, or shit. She stops, puts her palm on her head. I can't. She heads back to the hallway. Come on. She heads back out to the stage. The rumbling sounds are now closer. Exterior stage, night. 
Some of the rest of the performers are on the stage, others have gone out to the other back exit. The audience is milling about, some watching the stage, others leaving. Lindsay runs out to the center of the stage, grabs her dropped microphone. Everyone, please listen. Wait, is this on? Is this on? The rumbling is louder than before. Shit, is this? She's messing with the mic, trying to get it on. She finally figures it out. There, shit, okay. Everyone, may I have your attention? Please, I need everybody to make your way slowly to the back of the uh, of the amphitheater or... The beast from hell bursts onto the stage, crashing through the back wall. The wall falls to pieces. The drum set crashes to the floor. The guillotine falls as well. The beast howls. The audience screams, runs in every direction. Lindsay falls out of the way of the beast. She is pulled to her feet by Danny. Danny! Come on! Lindsay looks at the beast. It looks stupidly upward, howling, still not noticing her. Come on, where? We gotta stop this thing. Are you kidding me? Let the cops handle it. We can't handle this kind of shit. Lindsay thinks it over. Okay, yeah, I guess actually that makes sense. They head for the front of the stage and jump off. Just as they do, the beast stomps his clawed foot on the stage, putting a hole in it, retrieving his foot just in time. It stares dumbly down at the stage floor. Exterior in the aisle. Night. Lindsay and Danny run up the aisle. A crowd is formed, and some people are trampled in a blind run for the exits. A portage on is pushed over, two surfers falling into it in a frantic attempt to get away. Lindsay looks around for a clear path, but can't find one. Suddenly, she is thrown to the ground, tackled by Brian. He raises his fist and punches her in the nose. What? Brian. Danny said the what line, by the way. Yes. Brian leers down at her. You can't run from my father. People run around them. One man almost collides with them, but manages to get out of the way. Danny charges at Brian and hits him, knocking him off Lindsay, who gets to her feet. Brian easily knocks Danny off of him and gets to his feet. He pulls a rather large hunting knife from a sheath on his belt. Brian starts to get up. Danny goes to attack him with the knife, but Lindsay moves faster than he can. She charges, jumps, and lands a kick to his face. Brian falls to the ground, the knife flying out of his grasp. Lindsay grabs Danny's hand and pulls him up. Come on! Danny follows her, but swings his arm down on the way to grab Brian's knife. A green tentacle shoots out of Brian's chest and wraps around Danny's arm! Danny! Danny falls. Brian laughs. The tentacle pulls Danny forward. Danny grunts and takes the knife with the other hand and quickly slams it into the tentacle. Brian cries out in pain. The tentacle is nailed to the ground. Danny wastes no time, gets up, pulls the knife out, and runs. The tentacle is sucked back into Brian's chest like a tape measure. Danny and Lindsay are running up the aisle. Exterior stage night. The beast swings its arms around and catches Lindsay's bass player with its claws. One of one of them cut through him and appears out of his back. <laughs> the guy screams and the beast flings him through the air into the scattering audience. <laughs> the beast gears up and then launches itself, flying further than you think, landing in the ground in, uh, in front of the stage. Lindsay! Exit amphitheater back, or exterior amphitheater back exit. The amphitheater is piling up, people trying to get out of the exit gate. Some kids climb over a fence. Lindsay stops, looks back, hearing the monsters cry. This is my fault. You're being irrational again. She looks at him unsure. He stares back at her. 
the beast howls again. A determined look on her face. Lindsay grabs the knife from Danny. Lindsay? She turns and walks away, back the way they came. Lindsay, where are you going? It's me he wants, and I'm going to give it to him. Give what to him? Lindsay stops, turns around. Me, I'm going to... Oh, yeah, I guess that did come out kind of weird. Lindsay turns and stomps down the aisle. I'm just going to fuck him up. She looks scary and incredible at the same time. The knife in hand, angel wings on her back. Exterior middle of the aisle night. The beast is in the center of the arena, tossing chairs out of its way. There are now... There are no people nearby, most having scattered by now. A few security guards and two police officers hesitantly approach from behind. One of the officers aims a gun at the beast. Hey, turn around, man. The beast turns and regards the officer. The cop pulls the hammer back on his gun. I'm not going to say it. The beast's arm shoots out with remarkable speed and hits the officer, flying him up towards the stage. He flies towards the back of the stage, falling through the hole in the back of the wall. The second police officer's fire at the beast. The beast howls as it hits, but doesn't stop. It jumps towards the officer and lands a foot on him, crushing the man. Lindsay reaches the beast. She raises the knife behind her head. Hey! The beast turns and sees her. Its jaw drops. Lindsay. That's right. And don't look so happy to see me, bitch. She throws the knife as hard as she can. It flies straight through the beast's head, lands directly... <laughs> In its left eye, it leans back and lets out a horrifying cry. No! Lindsay whips around, sees Brian standing right next to her, four green tentacles extending from his chest, flickering and jumping in the air. He raises a fist, swings at her, but she easily dodges it. His tentacles dive at her, but she jumps out of their way. She kicks him in the stomach. The tentacles recoil as, as he does and grabs him by the back of his shirt and throws him down, sending him spiraling towards his father's feet. The beast rips the knife from its eye and cries out again. It throws the knife to the ground and growls, its expression changing from hurt to pissed. Dad, get her! Get her, Dad, please, get her! The beast looks down at Brian, regarding him curiously, then grunts. It raises its foot. Dad, no! Come on, no! The beast stomps on Brian, crushing him under its foot. Ew. She sees Danny coming toward her. He looks horrified, but he hurries to get to her. The beast aims its claws at Lindsay and throws its full weight behind its lunge. Lindsay dives out of the way and the beast claws hit the ground, ripping up the dirt, sending a few chairs flying out of the way. The beast pulls its hand out of the ground and attacks Lindsay. Lindsay avoids it, but Danny is not quick enough. Oh shit! One of the beast's claws catches Danny in the stomach. Danny! The claw rips through Danny, eviscerating him! Lindsay screams! Danny's top half falls headfirst to the ground. His legs and waist follow. Lindsay looks horrified and shocked, but she quickly regains her composure, and her expression changes to one of rage. Two more police, off two more police officers stand about 30 feet away, one aims and fires. The bullet hits the beast in the shoulder. It roars and, and turns towards the two cops. Shit. The beast doesn't waste time on them, however, and turns back to Lindsay. Lindsay picks the knife off the ground and stomps towards the beast. Her angel wings are spattered with Danny's blood. By the cops. Officer number three fires again. The shot goes wild. Watch it. You'll hit the girl. 
What in the hell is she doing out there? I think it's... It's Lindsay Lohan. This is her show. Who is it? Lindsay Lohan, you know? Mean Girls? Uh, Parent Trap? Way back then? Okay, yeah. Yeah, right, right. This is her concert? Middle aisle. Lindsay stands before the beast. The beast rears back and howls as loud as it can. Lindsay nods. The beast lurches towards her, then pulls back. Lindsay is confused. The beast raises its arm in the sky and cries out. It stamps its feet on the ground. What? Lindsay Lohan. What, goddamn you? You belong to me. She shakes her head. She takes a few steps backward, then charges towards the beast. It reacts slowly, reaching down, but she is gone, running between its legs. She turns around and lunges towards the beast, swinging the knife through the air. It lands in the monster's side. It howls in pain. A few gunshots ring out, but the cops are too hesitant to fire, with Lindsay in the way. Why do you hurt me? I won't let you kill me like you killed all those innocent people. I don't want to kill you. I want you to bear my children. God, yuck. The beast pulls its head back. It seems to realize it's been insulted. Dad! <laughs> Off screen, Brian brokenly says. Lindsay and the beast turn to see a very broken gory Brian crawling down the hill towards them, one arm outstretched. Back by the cops, the two police officers, gun raised, regard the three figures. What do you think? Get the fuck out of here? Yeah. The two police officers turn and run. Middle aisle. People still move about in the background, but most have dispersed. Brian crawls closer to Lindsay and the Beast. He is barely alive, broken bones, face bloodied, legs crushed. The green tentacles drag along the ground around him, damaged, able, damaged but able to help pull him forward. Dad, I'm your son! What do you want? You don't need her to bear any fucking kids. <laughs> kids are... Uh, they're annoying. You got me. I'm a good son. You don't need... You. You make me angry. Brian continues pulling his way towards the beast and Lindsay. He is very distressed. He stops crawling and begins attempting to get to his feet, but both of his legs are broken. Come on, Dad. You don't mean that. Look at all I've done for you. I brought Lindsay to you. Lindsay fucking Lohan, you know? The beast turns and regards Lindsay. She stands poised, knife in hand, ready to attack if necessary. The beast looks back to Brian. She hates me. She's got bad taste. The beast looks back at Lindsay, then back at Brian again. It's your fault she hates me. What? How do you fucking figure? The beast raises its arm, its clawed, its claws aimed at Brian. No! The beast cocks its head towards Lindsay. What the hell's the matter with you? The beast lowers its head, but keeps its claw raised. It looks deep into Lindsay's eyes for some time, as if searching for something. It pulls its head back and puffs. It glares at her. I was wrong. You are not worthy of me. It brings its arm down, stabbing. Brian, killing him. Lindsay screams in anger. The beast looks at her and laughs. Its expression then turns very grim. 
he was not worthy of me. Perhaps you are not either. It takes a step towards Lindsay. She bites her lip, raises the knife. The beast slashes at her and she dodges. It comes around with the other claw, but she manages to jump out of the way just in time. She turns and slams the knife into the beast's hand. The beast shrieks and backhands Lindsay. She falls hard onto the ground. The beast rips the knife out of its hand and tosses it aside. Exterior stage, night. The stage is a mess. No one is in sight. Just about every attendee has fled. The two police officers stand to the side of the stage. One of them speaks out into a walkie-talkie, but the words can't be made over the sound of the beast's roars. Let's step out of the hole. Leo steps out of the hole in the back of the stage wall. He is holding a black box with a blinking red light. He pauses, watches the beast approaching Lindsay. He sets the black box down. Exterior middle aisle night. The beast has got Lindsay gripped tightly in one hand. She struggles, but not much. Her face is a mask of fear, eyes locked on the monsters. The beast leans in closer. It makes a loud sucking sound with its mouth, rears its head back, cries out. What? What is it? The beast leans in closer, flashes its teeth. It looks like it's about to bite Lindsay's head off when suddenly it backs off, turns its face away. It turns back suddenly but doesn't attack. I want to kill you, but I can't. He hangs his head sadly. That's, that's the nicest thing I've heard you say yet. He sets her down. Hey, master, over here. The beast turns and sees Leo standing at the front of the stage next to the black box. What do you want? Let's blow this shithole and get the fuck back to Jersey. The beast growls. It's a low rumble at first, but it raises in volume and turns into the beast's most awful shriek yet. It charges towards the stage. Leo waves his hand and shakes his head. Master, hey, what are you doing? It's your fault she hates me. You and my bastard son. And I can't kill him because he's already dead. Exterior middle aisle night. Lindsay watches, relieved and confused, as the beast charges the stage. She focuses on the black box in front of Leo. Uh-oh. Exterior stage night. The beast charges the stage, prepares to jump. Leo is still pleading. You're wrong! What the hell's the matter with you? The beast roars and leaps through the air. Exterior middle aisle night. Lindsay sees what's about to happen. Her mouth drops over. She, her mouth drops open. She turns and starts to run. Exterior stage night. Leo stares in horror as the beast comes down on him. No, you big stupid bastard! The beast's right foot crushes Leo and the black box. There's a moment of silence, and then the stage explodes. Wood, metal, various debris are blown outward in a ball of flame. The beast is completely engulfed. Exterior middle aisle night. Lindsay is thrown through the air from the force of the blast amidst flinging fiery chairs and debris. She flies about 70 feet up and away, sort of hovers in the air for a split second, but her prop angel wings suddenly extend, doubling in size, and she floats, though somewhat rapidly, back down to the ground. She lands gracefully and looks back at the wreckage. Exterior stage night. The stage is blown to pieces and on fire. 
The beast's dead body lies on the broken stage. Police come out from both sides of the stage, surveying the wreckage. A siren wails in the distance. A couple of medics come around the side of the amphitheater, carrying a stretcher. Exterior middle aisle night. Brian should be dead, but somehow is not. His mutilated body drags itself up through the rows of seats. The green tentacles shoot forth from his chest and propel him forward. Exterior back of the amphitheater night. Lindsay runs. Behind her, another section of stage catches fire and begins to burn. A truck pulls up alongside Lindsay. The passenger door is pushed open, and the driver motions to her. Come on, get in. It's not safe here. Lindsay is this. This is the same truck Leo and Brian arrived in earlier. Of course, Lindsay has no way of knowing this. Lindsay steps up to get in, but her angel wings hit the side of the car. Oh. Yeah, you gotta... Yeah, I got it. She struggles with the clasp in the back and then gets it. And the wings drop to the ground. She climbs into the truck. All right, let's go. Interior truck night. Lindsay closes the door. She's about to say something, then stops, staring at the driver. Wait a minute. The driver's face looks very odd, almost like it's slipping off. The driver digs his fingers into his forehead and pulls down at the same time, stomping on the gas. The car jolts forward. Lindsay gasps. And the driver's face slips off. It's an elaborate mask, and the driver is revealed to be Walter, the charity rep and carnival member from earlier. Walter grins at her. Let me out. Exterior, back of the amphitheater night. Brian has managed to drag himself all the way to the back of the amphitheater grounds. As the truck takes off, one of Brian's tentacles shoots out and wraps around the back bumper. The truck speeds away and Brian drags along behind it. Interior truck night. Walter turns the steering wheel hard to the left, forcing Lindsay against the passenger door. Now, just like, relax, Lindsay. Lindsay, please. Lindsay turns to see Otto and Freakmaster sitting in the truck's uncomfortable back compartment. You two, Jesus Christ, aren't you dead? Obviously, they are not dead, but, like, soon you will be. At exterior amphitheater grounds, road, night. The car leaves the amphitheater grounds and takes the road leading back to the highway. Interior, truck, night. Lindsay is scared, but also tired and pissed off. Walter slows the truck's speed and looks out the windows. The stage burns in the background, cops all around. Fire truck and ambulance sirens cut through the air. That was really shitty of you, Lindsay. What, not wanting to be the bride of the fucking monster? You killed our master. You ask me, he had it coming. Otto growls. Freakmaster puts a hand on his shoulder to calm him. Where are you people taking me anyway? She seems less nervous than before. Now she's more annoyed than anything. Not far. Walter pops the glove box and quickly retrieves a bottle and a white rag. What the hell is that? One hand on the wheel. <laughs> Sorry, I read that as Walter. One hand on the wheel, Walter unscrews the bottle. Oh shit, is that... Look, you don't have to knock me out, okay? You don't have to knock me out. I'm going wherever the hell we're going. Walter, unsure, glances back at Otto and Freakmaster in the back. They both shrug. Walter screws the cap back on the bottle and puts it in his pocket. Lindsay leans her head on her hand and stares out the window. Exterior road leading away from the amphitheater night. The truck continues down the road. 
Brian drags behind the truck, not making a sound, his body becoming even more beat up as the truck speeds along, the green tentacles shaking but holding on tightly to the bumper. Exterior police station night. A Los Angeles police station. Interior police station dispatch night. A police officer sits behind a desk, speaks into a phone. What's this? Being dragged. By what now? Oh shit. Wow. Okay. Where's the vehicle headed? The truck, uh, exterior highway night. The truck continues down the highway, Brian dragging behind. An exit is coming up on the right. Interior truck night. Walter checks the rear view. Lindsay watches out the window. Where are we going to do this? Something tells me we don't have much time. Pull off here. Exterior highway night. The truck pulls off the exit. Up ahead is a shopping center. Interior truck night. Walter is looking nervous. Where? Where can we do it? This parking lot. Is there enough time? Is, is this a suitable... Walter, we don't have much time. This is our best option. What are you guys talking about? Walter glares at her. He presses harder on the gas. Exterior shopping center parking lot night. The truck pulls into the shopping center, drives around a short while before parking at a spot near the back. Interior truck night. Walter starts to get up, motions to Lindsay. In the back. What are we doing? What's going on? Get in the back. All right, all right. She complies. Exterior shopping center parking lot night. The tentacle releases its grip on the truck's back bumper and Brian lets out a deep breath and his face drops to the pavement. His fingers twitch. Interior truck night. Otto, Freakmaster, Walter, and Lindsay sit in a circle in the truck's large storage area. In the middle of the circle on the truck's floor is drawn a pentagram with various strange indecipherable symbols surrounding it. Since Leo is not here and neither is Brian, I will conduct the... What the fuck is going on? Someone has to tell me. You can't... Shut up! Shut up, shut up, shut up. You will remain silent. She backs off. Freakmaster gives himself a moment to regain his composure, then begins speaking again. We are gathered here to call upon the resurrection of a new lord, a new master, made in the image of our departed leader. Oh, Christ. Freakmaster glares at her, but doesn't allow her to distract him. He raises his hands, palms up, and Otto and Walter do the same. Oh, great ruler of hell, we come to you shame-faced and ill-prepared. Please accept your humble servants and know that if we had candles, we would light them. If we had an animal to offer, we would offer it. Instead, we ask that you shine your dark light upon us and make us your candles that you... Exterior shopping center parking lot night. Brian crawls to his feet. The tentacles have disappeared back into his chest. He is an unholy mess. His entire body, supernaturally alive, is covered with the wounds of stabbing, beating, and dragging. He walks to the back of the truck. Interior truck night. All in the same position as before, Freak Master raises his hands higher as his voice grows louder. We call upon thee, O great dark leader. A breeze starts up in the back of the truck and Lindsay looks nervously at the others. 
We call upon you to bring us a new leader here on Earth. The breeze picks up and the freak master begins speaking, shouting in a language unknown to Lindsay. The others close their eyes, raise their hands higher. Freak master rants and raves in this crazy language. Exterior shopping center parking lot night. Brian tries the back of the truck, but it is locked. He makes his way around the side of the vehicle. Exterior highway night. The highway leading away from the amphitheater. Four police cars head towards the exit. Lights on. Siren sounding. Exterior shopping center parking lot night. The parking lot is not crowded at all, so there aren't many witnesses to the strange actions of the truck. It bucks and vibrates and shakes and almost looks as though it's about to take off into space. Brian bangs on the side of it. Hey! He tries the passenger side door, but it's locked. Hey, open up, you bastards! Interior truck, night. In the center of their circle, the object the carnival members desire is coming to life. A light glows in the middle of the pentagram on the floor of the truck. The truck shakes and moves around. The carnival members manage to remain almost completely still while Lindsay struggles to keep her balance. The light grows brighter. Ah, yes, master! Yes! Lindsay stares in horror as a vague form begins to take shape in the middle of the circle. A demonic creature, the new beast, begins to emerge from the glowing pentagram. First a hand appears, then the top of its head, and suddenly the creature grows rapidly. It shoots up, green and brown covered in slime, to the top of the truck cab. Lindsay recoils in horror. Even Otto, Freakmaster, and Walter look scared. The creature wavers. A light passes through its body, head to foot, and with a loud, sucking noise, it morphs back down to the floor, small again, completely formed, about three feet long, standing on all fours. Shit, uh, okay, that's not so bad. The new beast's eyes her the new beast eyes her curiously, then whips its head to the f to the right, grabbing Walter by the throat. Walter's mouth drops open. He has no time to react. The creature rips Walter's throat out, and Walter collapses, hands reaching for his neck, blood spraying about the truck cab. Exterior shopping center parking lot night. The police cars enter the parking lot. As they pull up to the screeching halt around the truck, the lieutenant gets out of his car and sees Brian reaching in through the truck's broken passenger side window. Hold it right there! Brian turns and grins at him. The lieutenant is somewhat taken aback by his gory appearance. Other police officers get out of their cars, guns raised, aimed at all sides of the truck. The truck shakes back and forth. Screaming can be heard from inside. Brian opens the truck passenger door. I said freeze, goddammit! Brian ducks into the truck, pulls the door closed. Interior truck, night. Brian <laughs> Brian gets in, turns around, and eases the situation in the back. Walter's blood Walter's bloody corpse on the opposite end of the storage area by the back doors. Lindsay in the corner behind the driver's seat, and Otto 
cowering behind the passenger seat. Freakmaster grabbing Walter's gun and aiming it at the new beast, which stares him down mere feet away. Open up! Open the goddamn doors! You're surrounded! Freakmaster is momentarily distracted and the new beast lunges at him. The gun is knocked from his hand and the creature buries its teeth in Walter's wrist. Oh, it's supposed to be Freakmaster's wrist. Yes. Buries its teeth in Freakmaster's wrist. Freakmaster cries out in pain. Lindsay cringes. Brian crawls into the back, crouches between Lindsay and Otto. Freakmaster is brought to his knees as the beast rips off his hand. It crawls up his back. Brian grins. Yes, yes, do it, kill him. The new beast glances up at Brian, locks eyes with him for a few seconds, then chomps down on Freakmaster's skull. Freakmaster cries out and his voice mingles with the garbled shouts of the police outside and with Lindsay's horrified scream. Freakmaster's body falls to the floor and the beast continues eating him. <laughs> Lindsay tries to get past Brian, but he stops her. Where are you going, babe? Out. I'm getting out of here. No, you're not. Brian, get out of my way. She looks down and sees his tentacle gripping her ankle. The tentacle yanks and she falls down. Brian laughs. The lieutenant climbs into the truck through the passenger side door. Hey, everyone! He stops when he sees the new beast eating Freakmaster, who still isn't dead and is screaming. <laughs> and is screaming. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, and is screaming. Holy dog. Holy dog shit! Brian leans forward and punches the lieutenant in the nose. He grabs his gun. The lieutenant's hand goes to his face. He looks up, pissed. Brian wastes no time, shoots him twice in the chest. The lieutenant falls out backwards. From outside, Lieutenant! Lieutenant! Brian looks in the direction of the voice. He turns back, and as soon as he does, the new beast pounces on him! Leaping across the cab, its claws sink into his chest, and he drops Lieutenant's gun and screams. Lindsay and Otto are both up, moving to the back of the truck. Get off me! Get the fuck off me! I'm your goddamn... The creature sinks its teeth into Brian's neck, cutting off his voice, releasing a thick spray of blood. Lindsay tries to get past the lock on the back doors, but she can't. Otto tries hitting the lock, no use. We need a key. Otto takes a few steps back, lurches forward, kicks the doors, no use. Lindsay looks back at Brian and the new beast. The back doors are slammed into by something from outside. Lindsay jumps back. Otto falls on his ass. There's another pounding on the door. Police outside. We're coming in. Back away from the door. Another slams into the door. Brian is on his knees. The creature is still savagely attacking his throat. The door is slammed into again. Lindsay and Otto stand halfway between the door and the goring of Brian, glancing nervously back and forth. The door is slammed into again and this time bursts open. Four police officers stand directly outside, guns pointing into the truck. Exterior, interior, truck, parking lot, night. The new beast takes one final bite out of Brian's neck cuts clean th and cuts clean through. Brian's head topples off his body and ba bounces down the floor of the truck. 
The police are stunned, all eyes on the rolling head. The new beast turns and faces them, sees them for the first time. It growls. Hey, you, stay right where you are. The new beast dives through the air faster than hell and lands its jaws on the officer's face. He cries out. The other police don't know how to react. Officer 7 reaches out, tries to grab the monster. It jumps from Officer 6's face. Officer 6 falls to the ground, clutching his bloodied face, and the new beast latches onto the next face. A random gunshot is fired, but no others. There are two other police officers present, and they leave their previous positions and run around to the back of the truck. Lindsay picks up Walter's gun. She sees that Otto has already grabbed the lieutenants. They eye each other suspiciously, but their attention is quickly drawn back to the scene playing out at the end of the truck just outside. The new beast has incapacitated Officer 6 and killed Officer 7. It sits on the ground, growling, just out of view of Lindsay and Otto's sight. Otto raises the gun. Lindsay looks at him curiously. He shoots. The bullet hits Officer 5 in the forehead. Otto jerks to the right and fires again. This time he hits Officer 8 twice in the back. No! Otto turns towards her. He redirects his aim, levels the gun at Lindsay's face. She swallows. Hard. She grips the gun at her side. A scream to the left. They both turn. The new beast is at the throat of Officer 9. Officer 10 is running away, trying to get to his car. Otto raises the gun and fires. Lindsay's hand shoots out and knocks his arm off balance. The shot isn't as accurate as the others, but still hits Officer 10 in the leg. He falls to the ground. At the same time, the new beast is bringing Officer Number 9 down to the concrete behind the truck. Otto grunts, turns his face to Lindsay as she brings her arm up and around, pointing the gun at Otto. She hesitates for a brief second, then pulls the trigger. Otto is hit in the chest. He pauses, surprised. Lindsay shoots him again, and he stumbles and drops to the floor. Lindsay stares down at the body, shocked. I didn't want to kill you, Otto. I really didn't. If I knew I'd have to kill someone, I guess I would have picked Brian or Freakmaster before you. Growling to her left, she looks over and sees the new beast standing at the end of the truck cab. It hisses at her. Lindsay squints her eyes, her leg muscles tense. She brings the gun up slowly. The creature looks like it's about to attack, but then brings up one of its hind feet and slams it down. The force of the stomp shakes the whole truck. Lindsay starts to lose her balance, nearly regains it, then falls down, landing on a knee and an elbow. The new beast charges forward at her, but she manages to right herself, leaning on one elbow, aims the gun. The creature leaps at her and she pulls the trigger. The bullet hits the new beast and it spins in the air and drops to the floor. Lindsay scrambles backwards, gun raised, till she reaches the back of the driver's seat. The monster slowly gets up, shakes itself, wobbles, starts towards Lindsay again, but slower this time. It roars at her. Eat shit, motherfucker. Hell yeah. She fires the gun rapidly, two, three, four, five, six times, unloading the clip. The monster is hit with every shot, green blood spraying the walls and floor. It stops, its body limp, dead. Lindsay stares at it, gun still raised. After some time, she lowers the gun, lowers her head. She sighs and drops the gun. Exterior shopper se shopping center, parking lot, night. 
It is completely silent. Officer number 10 is leaning half in and half out of his squad car, speaking unintelligibly, unintelligible words into the radio. Slowly, we begin to hear sirens in the distance and see lights penetrating the darkness. Fade out. Closing credit sequence. A montage of clips from Lindsay performing her song, Crazy Cat, as well as the, uh, that was it, Go to Hell? Or see you in hell. Burn in hell. Burn in hell. There you go. This is intercut with clips from TV news reports offering sound bites and half thoughts about speculations regarding the events at the amphitheater. I loved it. You know, oh, sorry, that's the end. That's the end. Yeah, that's the end. Sorry, I don't know what this version is that you have that I sent you. It's uh, obviously one that isn't even finished. I could tell. I'm like, wait a minute. How can I have 12 pages left and he only has one left? <laughs> Interesting, because mine literally just like cuts to like your idea for a different scene. I, think. I had an idea for an ending where Danny lives. An ending where Danny lives. Yeah. I liked. I liked Danny dying. Danny dying hit me. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. Anyway, we need to start from the top. Because we're already over two hours and i got to ask you a bunch of fucking questions now. Alright, real quick. <laughs> Why Lindsay Lohan? Like, in, in 2010, were you thinking, like... Because she already went through a lot of her shit in 2010, right? Like, she was already yeah, on drugs career, and stuff. Things were on the... Her career was on the nowhere. downturn. Yeah. So was this kind of like a... Oh shit, Lindsay is seriously in the perfect time right now to do like an 80s monster creature feature and probably like agree to do it because it's like because she has nothing else going on in her life. I was, is that the idea? I was just a big Lindsay Lohan fan and I've always liked her too. She's not bad. Um and I just can't, I had this idea uh the story all came, the story such as it is, came to me almost at once, and I was under the influence and just started imagining this scenario where I wrote this screenplay and then it got made. And yeah, like you said, although, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. And Lindsay Lohan, I don't think, ever even played concerts, let alone a big elaborate <laughs> horror show. Concert, it is a hundred percent ridiculous, but it's the type of ridiculous that I could see like working. It's like, it's like this is the end. Like it's tongue in cheek. Like it's very aware of itself, mm -hmm. and like not when it needs to be. Yeah. And, and it doesn't go as meta as something like this is the end. But there are a ton of like late 80s early 90s shitty like rock horror movies about like concerts and shit yeah and like i've watched so many of them on best of the worst shout out to red letter media and like it blows my mind that that was a subgenre at one point like <laughs> like um what what's um shock em, shock em dead is, is Black, one of them. Black Roses. Black Roses? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, there's one where they're on a fucking plane. Is that Black Roses? No, they're in a high school gymnasium. Oh, Black, Black Roses, Roses is the one where they morph everyone's fucking faces rock, into skeletons the and evil shit. Evil Rock Band. Evil Rock Band group. No, there's one There's one starring a ridiculously named, like, his name is like a, 
Linus Croft or something. There's there's this uh, they choose to have a band on a plane perform and, and a satellite broadcast of the show goes out all over the world. But the plane is taken over by demons during the rock concert. So there's huh. like a demon walking around pretending to be the main singer and the main singer is like walking around trying to solve shit. Hmm. So the main singer gets to play like both of those. But that one's fucking garbage, too. And I think there's even like a, a shitty sequel to it. But anyway, um, rock horror, like shitty rock horror is its own kind of subgenre in in like shitty 80 horrors movies that that like have that are hilarious. In my head, it's the only thing I imagined like while watching this, like a Black Roses type of thing, like she she very tongue in cheek acts through the entire movie like herself, you know, kind of like how, which is why I bring up this is the end, kind of like how Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jay Baruchel, they all kind of act a little bit like themselves in this is the end to kind of further the plot. But there comes a point where Lindsay's expected to do some ridiculous things like kill a man, uh, fight a demon, you know, be a part of a fucking ritual. And those are the juxtaposition, like, those are the scenes that I think would really work for her. Because it's kind of like a Nick Cage Mandy thing. It's like, you don't expect this actor to do something like this. And it, like, almost completely, like, rejuvenates their career a little bit. This move, this would be a perfect movie for Lindsay to do right now, as she is, like, 30-something, 40-something, trying to play a 20-something, like, tongue-in-cheek, very, like, aware of itself, that could, like, go directly to, like, Shudder. Like, yeah. I could I could see this shit being, like, an actual <sighs> movie, and it brings, it brings me such joy to know that you wrote this. Well, hopefully at least her management got a kick out of the title. Um, did the, you send this to anyone? I, I, crazily enough, I did. I, I wrote this in five weeks. What did I say before? It was like something like two end months. of May to July. Yeah, it wasn't even two months. Less and than two months. I was completely crazed the entire time, and I printed it out and sent it off to her management. And honestly, they, shame on them for not doing it because this thing, well, this thing would are, have an indie crowdfunding budget like immediately. As they explained in their letter back to me, accompanying the script, they didn't open it or even look at it. But they did type the title of it in their letter to me, so I thought maybe at least somebody, probably very annoyed getting another damn script, was like, well, that's at least a funny title. But yeah, there, there's no way. That's not how it works. And I even knew that. So it I got could. that back in the Don't mail be, and said... Never say never. Well, that was a Some fun crazy idea. stuff has happened. <laughs> Some crazy stuff has happened um, in Hollywood. But the, so. um, the movie that most inspired me, I think, is, uh, Ghoulies 2. Ghoulies 2. Without a doubt. I mean, Ghoulies 2 is set at the carnival. They conjure up a giant monster by the end. Um, the character Nigel is, uh, in the, the little person character. Leo. And, yeah, Leo. I was definitely thinking of him. Of Phil Fonda Caro. So, yeah, Ghoulies 2 was, was definitely an influence, is, for sure. Is there any character that I read particularly well that you that you liked? No, I didn't like the way you read him. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought you did a fine job with all of them. I mean, I, I hadn't. I, I, I didn't, went purely off the names. For, yeah, for how to voice them. I, I didn't even have voices in mind at this point. I mean, this is. I wrote this a while. Oh, ago. if I were I you at the time of writing, and I would have had like a cast. Oh, I would have had time, a cast list already. Yeah, but I I forgot <laughs> the, the, the details of it. You should have written somehow that somewhere. Didn't stay I would have loved head. to seem like an at the time contemporary cast list of what you imagined. The dream cast. 12, 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I I do remember the question I wanted to ask back at the beginning of the episode, when I first read the title. Mm-hmm. What what is it about Lindsay Lohan that you thought she could do like, like an evil dead movie, you know, like what, what was it that you, she's never done anything in her career. I don't think that touches on the, on the borders of any of what was in this script. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. She's never done, you know, like a Jawbreakers, Cupid type of bullshit. Like, you know, all all the... I know what you did last summer, Scream bullshit. Like, right around that time was a lot of, like, meta kind of dark comedy horror films. But she never, she never touched that shit. At least I don't think so. In the 2000s, she did a shitty horror movie called, like, Vacancy or something. You remember that one she, where she like didn't have a body or something. She was trying to find her body. <laughs> she was in the movie. I, I know who killed me. Oh, that's she what it was called. Attacked by the, that's what it was called. I know, who, I know who killed roses. me, but this is easily, this is easily like, this was written like 10 years after that came out. Not, not quite. This, it was a couple years after that came out. Still, I'm but just saying, was, early 2000s bullshit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was listening to Lindsay Lohan's music and just thinking she could have a concert show, and I like horror movies and ghoulies too, so I, I don't know. The whole thing came to me, strangely enough, I was at uh, the Playhouse. You're watching a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Huh. And I just started thinking of of it there, and then I was then then like I I don't remember if it was that night or the next night I was at a party, and pretty out of it, and I just started, started thinking about yeah. it more and more, and I'm like, this is it, this could be it, this is my big idea. <laughs> I fucking love it. I thought it was, it it towed the line of being ridiculous and satirical and funny, but also like I don't know, like a like a type of um, John dies at the end, mm-hmm. you know, type of like quirky, humorous, aloof. Yeah eccentric you know um shit the dude who did john dies at the end that director the the the, um the guy who did uh was uh landis was it landis no it was joe dante i don't think it was dante either i thought it was the guy who did phantasm cosarelli i think yes that's the guy who did john dies at the end is it yeah huh it's the guy who did Phantasm. And um, he... Uh, 
Just name every Bubba Hotep. This guy who did Bubba Hotep did, did Phantasm yeah, Dude. Don, Don Cassarelli definitely yeah. did Bubba Hotep. And that's, so, yeah, then that's the guy who did John Dies right. at the end. Yeah, but there's right. something about there's something about that that I think really reflects in what you've written. Because it's not quite Sam Raimi. This wasn't quite goofy like Sam Raimi. It was a little bit more visceral. You definitely killed a lot of people. It's more of like a I don't give a fuck, Phantasm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, here's a metal ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I felt about this. This was good. I liked, I liked, I liked reading what you have written, Mark Rooster. Thanks, I appreciate it. I didn't know that you hadn't read it before. Of um, course not. So, I'm I never, to... I never read anything on this show until I am mm. live on the air in it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do know that. <laughs> um, if I if I had a uh, if I if I had like a closing statement, it would actually hearken to a conversation we had before recording, which is I love this creative shit. It took it took like a little bit of work on your part, but all you did was sit down, type it on out just kind of get it out there into existence and just make something. I I love that shit. I don't, I don't read enough, I think, which is ironic for this show. Cause I, I read every episode, but I don't think I read enough in my life or appreciate art enough in my life for like to find something wholly original and created by someone I know and just pushed across the desk. Like, Totally surprised by it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely belonged on this show. This yeah. this is totally something I would have read online. Um, I hope everyone else liked it, and I hope I hope this motivates people to to do their own stuff, to write your own shit. Literally anyone can do it. There are so many sources and so many places you could post things nowadays to get people to read something you've written. Like, you can just post shit all over the internet, and no one will care. Now, at the same time, no one will care. So, don't invest too much in it, but put it out there into the universe. Do it. Do your work. Put your time into it. Be proud of it. Send it out there. Let it go. It reminds me of what uh, Kurt Vonnegut used to say. He said, like, literally just create something and then burn it, because now you'll have grown as a person knowing that you created that thing that no longer exists anymore. I like that. Yeah. You did that with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> and I am proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> and I'm not and I'm 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 being a hundred percent sincere when I say that people. Art is like one of those things that will be around forever. Film, music, painting, writing. Keep that shit alive. Keep doing it. I'm going to keep reading it and talking about it and shitting on it as part of my show. Uh, Mark Rooster, thank you for being here. Do you have any final words or any opinions you'd like to share? Nope. I don't think so. That's usually the case. I usually don't. Nope, you usually don't. You're a man of you're a man of only so many words. Maybe cut out that part where I didn't know who directed John Dies at the end. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. You're reference you're over here talking about fucking 
uh, black roses and ghoulies too. You got you got street cred. <laughs> You're okay. It's okay that no one remembered who fucking made Bubba Hotep. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Lots of Pasta, and we read Lindsay Lohan and the Beast from Hell uh, by Mark Rooster himself. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Leave us some feedback. Leave us some comments. And uh, I hope you find yourself uh, around Lindsay Lohan somewhere in the near future enough to mention this script to her and maybe bring it back to her attention so she could do a career-saving uh, 80s homage of her performance somewhere in the next five years to the point where, like, it's noticeable that she's no longer, like, in her 20s. It'll make the performance even better. So go ahead, Lindsay Lohan representatives out there listening to me, anyone at all directly connected to Lindsay Lohan, make this shit happen. Until we stand at the shore